0: Welcome to Unbooking the Territories. We continue our journey through the highest and lowest TV rated episodes for the Monday Night Wars for each creative period. This week sees Kevin Nash's highest rated episode.
1: The following announcement has been paid for by the New World Order.
2: You want to see the text message my little sister Shaleen sent me last night? Here, here it is. OMG, Kevin Nash,
3: WTF, thought he was dead, LOL. This is where the big boys play, huh?
2: Look at the adjective, play. We ain't here to play. The funny thing is, Shaleen is normally wrong. And here you are, live and in living color. It's just your career that's dead, right? Shut your mouth and say thank you, Mr. Nash. Because as far as I'm concerned, if this is where the business is right now, with some guy that looks like a short order cook from a Pikeville Waffle House is a champion. Take a shower, hit the weights, get a clue.
3: So how are you this week, Dan? Not too bad, buddy, not too bad. Been an up and down week, a bit hectic here and there, but I'm here, I managed to uh, only be two minutes late for the podcast because I nearly fell asleep watching uh, Newcastle versus City. But other than that, I'm all good, how are you, pal?
0: Yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Nora from down the road uh, just brought me a massive piece of cake and some feta and mint spring rolls so i'm very happy
3: that sounds absolutely bloody lush yeah, I, wish my neighbor, I was gonna say i wish my neighbors were like that but then it involved me getting to know my neighbors you have to speak and, to people uh, yeah I've, I've been here 20 years there's no chance i'm getting to know them now yeah <laughs> but i'm actually I'm, I'm doubly excited for this week's recording it's the first time we're going back to back wcw and we've got a guest on who, to my knowledge, has never done a podcast before. So God help you with this being the first one. Uh, she's one of few people who I never bring up the fact I went to SummerSlam because she can trump me and say, well, I went to WrestleMania. It's Turd Ferguson on Twitter herself, Sarah Bradshaw. How are you doing, Sarah? Oh,
1: yeah, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. Honoured to be on, honoured to be asked. And yes, it is my first podcast. Oh, oh we needed, sorry, oh, I
3: was <laughs> taking a swig there. <laughs> That's
1: fine. We've
3: all, all got you, views? Uh, yeah, I brought you one for the uh, WCW knowledge because I know you were uh, you got heavily into it around about 1998, wasn't it?
1: Started watching in '96, actually. All right. Yeah. Got um, that one, Great. 98 is <laughs> just my favourite year, or maybe 97 actually, but yeah, uh, yeah, I got 98.
2: And we
3: but brought you. Yeah, and we in for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: beginning of the end, but never mind.
0: <laughs> um so normally. When people are on podcasts, uh, they'd go deep into why they got into wrestling and all that kind of stuff. But, Mm -hmm. you know, we're we're genetic freaks and we're not normal. So we've got five categories about what you look for when you're watching wrestling. So um, if you could go through those and give us your priorities and see how you compare to everyone else.
1: So number one, I went with in-ring work just because, yeah, nothing beats an excellent wrestling match, I guess. So I went with in-ring work. Number two, I went with storylines, because it just adds, adds to that. You know, if, it, if it's a great match and there's a great feud behind it as well that's been building, I, that yeah, it just helps that. Three, I went with presentation, which Dan said was commentary, lighting, camera work, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, commentary annoys me when it's bad. Uh, on Raw, it's particularly bad at the minute, and that annoys me. So, yeah, that, I went with that. Four and five, like the most, like the least important, I I was going to swap round, but I'm going to go with this. I'm going to go fan reaction number four. (sighs) Only because if the the first three are right, the fan reaction will be there. So it's like, for me, Dan was like, oh, it's your reaction plus live proud. But my reaction, if number one, two, and three were there, my reaction would be very good. So I'm judging it on that. Uh, Number five promos. I do love a good promo, but if it goes wrong, no one gets hurt. And some of them are quite laughable. You know, it's, it's no biggie. Although I do enjoy a good promo, and, and a promo can build somebody. I, I love Riddle at the minute just because of his backstage stuff. And shit, uh, oh, Dan, I see your face. I didn't used to like Riddle at all. And he's become like one of my favorite people now. In ring, he's not bad. And uh, yeah, he's just funny. He's just funny outside the ring as well. So he, might not, be f-
2: around. he might
3: not be around for much longer. I know. The judges, uh, judges, forced through the lawsuit against him.
1: I know. I, well, actually, I don't even know what happened. Like, I don't even know why there's a lawsuit against him. I again.
3: don't want I'm, to sorry. get into it because this has been recorded and could yeah. potentially come back and bite us in, in the ass. but I'll get into it off air.
1: Yes, that's fine. I, I, I don't know anything about it. I just like Riddle's character and what he's doing at the minute, especially with uh, Randy Orton as well.
3: I just can't stand the Stoner Bro stuff. It does my tits in listening <laughs> to him. Mm.
1: It, it used to but he's grown on me he's really has grown on me jo- not just since autumn but the past few months he's really grown on me
3: like a wart
1: well yeah
3: You <laughs> just made you peace that it's there and it's going to take a while to shift
1: yes
3: exactly <laughs> anyway sorry Rob
0: yeah well be- before everything came out I, uh, I, d- I did quite like the stuff that he was doing with Pete Dunn and the golf cart mm. the next yeah, time. I'll give you that that was funny yeah can't say I'm watching too much of his stuff now, to be honest. I, I, I think, you know, if, if this was a proper company, people would get suspended and there'd be a proper investigation, but it's WWE and they just plow on ahead and give themselves enough rope to hang themselves. So we shall see. Mm. You're, the, you're the first person to give wrestling five. We've not had a wrestling fan on this show
3: before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We've all, yeah, uh, everybody so far has ranked. Um, everybody so far has ranked the actual in ring work like third or lower.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> oh, well, no, it's
3: because no, we're, no. we're just a bunch of middle-aged men who just want to be sat in a comfy chair and tell the story.
1: <laughs> oh, no, there's nothing better than seeing a great wrestling match and thinking, wow, that, that was, they told a story. They oh, it, it, It's brilliant. But the storyline helps back that up. And I, I thought about it a lot because at the fan reaction, I thought, oh, well, well if, if all those other things are in place, then the fan reaction will be good anyway, mm. surely. Apart from all those people now that just tend to moan at everything online, which do my head in. But, yeah, promos I just thought was the least important. I do enjoy them, and I do think they are important to, to help build stuff. But, yeah, I'm not bothered if it's a bad one.
3: Can't believe it, Rob. First actual wrestling fan.
0: We, we've always said wrestling's a buffet. You know, people are yeah. there for different things. And, and as well mm. with these things, none of us have said that we don't, Value anything? or Give something a zero valuation. No. Everyone appreciates. It. It's just maybe where they put it in order. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's,
3: it's, it's how you prioritize it. You need all the parts to make a good show. It's just which ones, which ones you put ahead of the others. There's no, like, like Rob says, it's buffet. There's no right or wrong answer. no So it'd be interesting to see. Definitely interesting to see your takes on uh, on some of what's coming up on the show.
0: Okay. So what's everyone drinking this evening?
1: Oh, I have um, a Malbec, a red wine, and it's a Malbec. Argentinian? No, no. I uh, don't know where it is, actually. Where is it? Oh, it's South Australian. It's South Australian Malbec.
3: Not bad. I, I know a very limited amount about red wine because my, uh, my parents are red wine drinkers. I know one of their favourites is Argentinian Malbec. All I know is it's red, some of it's tasty, and it gives me a stinking hangover.
1: I'm used to it now. I'm used to it. All I drink is red wine, so I'm, I'm used to it. I drink anything else, I get a stinking hangover.
3: No water, no tea, no nothing. It really gets a weird reaction at work. (laughs) (laughs) We wish we could drink at work.
1: I once did put red wine, not at work, but I did put red wine in a Ribena container, and it just got passed off as Ribena.
3: Fair enough, I respect that. It
1: worked.
3: Yeah, I'm on. One of my fancy stouts. I've gone all stout this week. It's not gimmick infringement. I just like them, Uh, Steve. I'm not having that shit. No such thing as gimmicks. Um, (laughs) I'm on one of the Brew York 5th Anniversary um, Freaky Friday series, the limited edition stuff, and it's uh, it's called A New Beginning, and it's actually got a cartoon-stylised Jason Voorhees on it, about to murder someone, and it's coffee, blueberry, cacao, walnut and vanilla Imperial Breakfast Stout. 11%. Eleven percent, and then lined up after that, I've got a Salt Brewery Peanut S'mores Stout. Oh, they call it a Fluff nutter Stout, which is seven percent. And then I've got a Pardus Raspberry Chocolate stout, Imperial Stout from Thornbridge, at eight percent. So there's a good chance I will be rat ass before we get to the uh, before we get to the end of the five things that we need to pick.
0: Excellent, just like normal. Yep, has well, been resumed. I've got a Bueno Shake, and that's. By Unbarred Brewery, it's a 6.4% stout that's supposed to taste like a kinder bueno, being chocolate and hazelnut. It doesn't, but it's all right anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what it's supposed to, but
3: you know. I love that. It's I love, I love the ambition. It's supposed to taste like this. It doesn't, but it's not crap. <laughs>
0: uh, next, I've got uh, a Buxton Brewery nargill That's a coconut pastry stout. So I'll see if that tastes like it's supposed to. And then after that, we're back into the rhubarb triangle. I've got Fierce Rhubarb, and that's a uh, fruit pale ale.
3: Oh, nice. Fierce Brewery are good.
1: I need to get into ales. They sound amazing. They do sound really nice.
3: I can point you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, I I might try. uh, I've never got into them. The ones that I've tried have all tasted a bit now, like dishwater, basically.
3: I think you'd be better off starting with... With, like a, like, a fruited pale ale, and then, or maybe a sour or something like that, and building it up.
1: Because the reason I like red wine is because of the um, like vanilla notes and stuff like that vanilla, mocha, chocolate. So it's similar.
3: I thought you just liked it because they got you pissed. i that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, I've never been able to pick up those notes in wine. I can do it with beer, but wine, my taste buds just aren't wide, right?
1: I can with red, I can't with white. I can't get on with white wine at all.
3: I am fairly convinced that white wine is, in fact, urine. Yeah, possibly. Um,
0: but we're not wine sommeliers, we're beer sommeliers. So listen we to are. And uh, relax and be the virtual Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler, and we'll be the virtual Reginald, and recommend a drink that you should have while you're watching this episode of Monday Nitro. So, Sarah, do you have a recommendation that people should drink while they're watching?
1: Again, I'm going to go with wine. I'm going to probably a Caso del Diablo, you know that one where it says wine from the devil's cellar on the advert? They're very, very nice. So I'd probably pick either the Cab Sav or the Merlot, one of them.
3: This is all starting to sound far too classy.
1: <laughs> Sorry. But it is for, just, for sure. I could have said just have a can of Skull. <laughs> <Something> <laughs> like that.
0: A can of Skull in a brown paper bag outside the offline. Yeah.
1: That's
0: half yeah. level.
3: Well, funnily enough, that's kind of the route I've gone. Because I was watching this show thinking this feels like something that you'd, there'd be like just a bunch of people sat around and whoever was drinking would be drink, just chugging cans of piss-weak American lager. <laughs> so it feels like it feels like something that you just sit with like a crate of Miller Lite and you just you just sit there watching the show and just pissing constantly.
1: Yep. Or maybe if you want something I that's mean, half... I mean, hopefully you're going to the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, you just got you just got a big. just got a mixing bowl in front of you, just, so you don't have to move. It's just, just going in one
1: end and out the other. Everyone uh, in that audience was pissed up. I noticed in the Nitro audience, everybody, all the women that were there were absolutely pissed up, which is where it's for, I suppose. But yeah, I yeah, I can't, I, ca- I,
3: ca- I can't criticize anybody for being pissed up at the wrestling.
1: No, uh, well, I, I suppose I can't really. All the ones I've been to, even at, at WrestleMania, as you mentioned, I was, I was very t- tiddly.
3: So what would you recommend, Rob?
0: Well, I've, I've gone exactly the same way as you, Dan. You know, I normally spend a lot of time looking into a beer that has a connection with the show or something that was going on, and I just couldn't find anything. So instead, I went back and tried to find one that I'd untapped on an 8th of February, and it came up with Duff Beer by Duff Brewery. What's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, it's uh, Simpsons merchandise. It's not supposed to be drunk seriously, but uh, it's in there.
1: <laughs> no i that have tried duff yeah was Duffy? It? It wasn't bad, actually. yeah it wasn't bad actually i tried it um it must have been at universal in orlando
0: yeah I'd, i've given it 2.75 it's kind of middle of the road it's it's not as bad as you think it could be oh and bad. you get
3: you get the novelty value of drinking duff exactly yes. that,
0: that that's the only reason you're gonna
3: you're gonna order it really I might have had that in Universal in 2016, I can't remember. You probably did. There's a good chat. If I had the opportunity, I definitely did. And now it's time for Beth's
0: Beer of the Week.
1: And Beth's Beer of the Week is Lily's Mango Cider, because it's still and it tastes like pop.
0: So, Beth's Beer of the Week there is Lily's Mango Cider, uh, which is 4%. It's extremely dangerous because it tastes just like cordial.
3: uh... It does. I've had some version of Lily's before. I can't remember what version it was, but it was very tasty and can get you very drunk very quickly without you realising it.
0: I think we had the uh, rhubarb lilies at, is it Hullabaloo and Shipley?
3: That would be it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I knew you were with me, and I knew you'd remember.
0: It's rhubarb. When you're in the rhubarb triangle, uh, drink the products of the rhubarb triangle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We're going to have to try and get a sponsorship with rhubarb. Oh, um, speaking of sponsorships, uh, it's not quite a sponsorship. I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, a little beer shop in York called uh, Hopper Clock, where I bought uh, the uh, the Peanut s'mores Stout and the uh, the Pardus uh, Raspberry Stout. Um, cracking little beer shop, uh, tucked away uh, just around uh, just by Stonebow there in York. Uh, if you uh, if you get a chance, pop in. Uh, there really are nice people in there, and they have some bloody good beers, including some uh, limited edition stuff. That, uh, that you might not be able to get anywhere else. So support your local beer shop. And if you're in York, get yourself to Hopper Clock or Trembling Madness.
2: Yes. Excellent.
0: Good recommendations. So last uh, episode, we covered Kevin Sullivan's uh, last episode in charge of creative, uh, certainly for a, a short while. In terms of why he left creative, he was actually having some personal issues at the time. So I wanted to take a little bit of a step back. Additionally, There was a little bit of sort of friction in the locker room, so Bischoff thought it might be an idea to have a little bit of a shake-up. So this week, Eric Bischoff's going to log into uh, LinkedIn. I think he's stolen Vince McMahon's password, and (laughs) he's going to have a look through and uh, try and find the qualities that might make some of the right appointments. So he's on Kevin Nash's profile. So I'm just going to go through some of the things that we might have seen on there, and then if the two of you just want to comment um, on any of this stuff to see if you think it might have helped for a uh, head-of-creative headbrooker position. So Kevin Nash played basketball for the University of Tennessee. Good for him. While he was at uh, the University of Tennessee, he actually uh, sparred with uh, WBA world boxing champion uh, John
3: Tate. I did not know that. I've also never heard of John Tate, which is a surprise because I'm uh, I'm quite a big boxing fan. (laughs) Well,
0: uh, I I didn't know that today until uh, I was researching... uh, Uh, It was actually Kevin Sullivan that uh, let that out of the bag, so (laughs) it's good. He he graduated from the University of Tennessee with a degree in educational philosophy and psychology.
1: He's an intelligent
0: man. Very, very intelligent guy. Yeah, very intelligent. Yeah, so we've got, after Vince Russo, we've got our second person who's not sort of come come into the industry, sort of from birth sort of thing, coming through a different path. He played for various uh, professional basketball teams in Germany before joining the U.S. Army and working at a NATO facility in Germany. His basketball career is sort of cut short by a knee injury, and the Army don't pay for his knee to get fixed, so he goes to actually work at the Ford factory in Detroit, and he uses their medical insurance to get his knee fixed, and this is where Diesel comes in.
3: It's bloody crazy, it's bloody crazy that it came to that, isn't it? Americans mm. will bang on about healthcare and all of that and, and paying for it and earning it. And it's just like, God, why would you? Not not to get political, but just the, the whole system over there just baffles me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it worries me that we're heading in that direction. Yeah, it's
1: scary. Very, very scary.
0: So he goes on to join WCW. He works a number of gimmicks. He's Steel. He's the Master Blaster. He's Oz. Who's man- and during that time, he's managed
3: by Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> Master Blaster. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. know. It just. It, it, it just sounds like porn. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They stayed up all night thinking of a gimmick, and that was the best one they could come up with.
3: Senor Cum Shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, Captain's Cannon. I, I, I have.
1: have to my wine now. <laughs>
3: That's what happens when you, get, when you come face-to-face with the Master Blaster.
1: Uh,
0: uh, and he also wrestled, wrestled as Mini Vegas. Yep. He goes on to play Super Stredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the U's film.
3: That is pretty much his life highlight to this point.
1: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I never yeah. knew that.
3: Then he goes and
0: joins the WWF, initially as Shawn Michaels' bodyguard. Uh, then he'll go on to be WWF champion for about a year.
3: You know, one of the most f- forgettable reigns in history.
0: Oh, th- those 2 dudes of attitude episodes, Jesus.
3: Don't. I hate that name so much. Yep.
0: Uh, uh, has your rating for this show just gone up a notch now you've heard that name?
3: It's gone down several.
0: <laughs> Obviously, then he comes back to WCW as part of the Outsiders and the NWO. Then he starts um, sitting in on the creative meetings and working with the creative committee. So he's already sort of working
3: his way up. He's coming hot, hot as a big star. He's already got a foot under the table. He's maybe starting off sat at the back or, you know, just having a, a word here and there. We've seen, we saw it with Russo. We've seen it with, uh, with a couple of people just, um, you know, they're just invited to sit in and then just gradually get more of a voice. Yeah.
0: And so one of the advantages of Bischoff making this appointment is that Bischoff has previously been quite involved at the back in these creative meetings, but his line manager Harvey Schiller has suggested that he needs to work on delegation. And one of the advantages is having Nash in there. He's got one of his friends who's got the same sort of aims, goals, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's almost like he's staying in the meetings without staying in the meetings. So
3: it works. At this like, point, like Dominic Cummings and Boris Johnson. Another empire of evil.
0: Talking about an empire of evil, Wade Keller publishes a list at this point of the people that were involved in the creative committee. Wade Keller says that in the committee were Hogan Savage, DDP, Kevin Sullivan, Lex Luger, Arne Anderson and Mike Graham. And Bischoff has called bullshit recently that Luger, Arne Anderson and Mike Graham were in there. So. Uh, another win for the torch.
3: <laughs> I was going to say, at this point, who knows? There's so many stories flying around, you can, you can never trust anybody's word 100%. So yeah. the, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. It could even be that a few of those guys just sat in on one or two meetings and then yeah. left and, and all of that. Who knows what was going on? Well, it's like we said
0: before about <laughs> claiming that while he was a trainee, he came up with the finish running your house five. It's like, well, he might have said that to someone, but they probably just ignored him.
3: Yeah.
0: So, and then he's, oh, it, it happened to happen by coincidence, and now he thinks yeah.
3: he booked for the them. Mm-hmm. So, Taking the credit for it. Exactly.
0: So in terms of the ratings, Kevin Nash is going to be in charge for 31 episodes. He's getting an average of 3.77. That compares to Kevin Sullivan, who had an average of 3.66 before. And when Sullivan and Taylor come back after Nash, It's going to go down to 3.17. It's a high that we're reviewing today, which is the second episode of 5.7 on the 8th of February ninety nine, And then the low is actually his penultimate episode uh, on the 30th of August ninety nine, and that's at 2.9. So you can see the ratings are sort of sliding down. And there is a general downward trend while Kevin Nash is in creative.
3: Yeah, it's it's not great. I mean, when when your second weeks are five point seven, and we're we're not um, well, sorry, it's about twenty three weeks since Sullivan's high of six, and between from that point to this, there's only been five weeks at a five or above. And I say only that that is actually To get above a five is a phenomenal achievement. But when your second weeks are five point seven your average is what is it three point seven seven?
0: Yeah, it's uh, three point seven seven. To be fair, that six was unopposed. This 5.7 seven's unopposed because Raw isn't on that night. It's actually going to be on a Saturday that week, taped on the, uh, the 8th, but goes out on the 13th. That's at the Toronto Skydome in front of
3: 41,423 fans. Jesus, and, that's easily the highest so far.
0: And one of the reasons for that, it's got a match. It's got the Acolytes versus Larry Bunn and Scott Damore.
3: I'm not biting on the Scott DeMar thing. No. <laughs> I'm not biting on the Scott DeMar thing. But it could have been Balls Mahoney. Well, if <laughs> Balls Mahoney had
0: been in there, they'd have, had to, they'd have got uh, 50,000, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. I love Balls Mahoney.
0: <laughs> so the episode that we're reviewing today is from uh, the Marine Midland Arena in Buffalo, New York. There's 15,379 people there, which, in terms of the episodes, we've actually physically watched is nearly 3,000 more than the previous episode that we reviewed that was at 12,481. So really good crowd for this show. So now we're going to go through and between us pick five moments for either good, bad, or, or just notable from the show that we want to discuss. So Sarah, as you're the guest, do you want to go first with your first moment?
1: Okay. I'll start on a high. I don't want to start on a low. So I think that opening match was uh, Blitzkrieg's debut And that was phenomenal. I loved it. I thought that was an amazing debut. It was an ace match with Rey Mysterio. So that was my notable point number one. So I'll go with that. I thought it was a brilliant showing. Uh, And Blitzkrieg is not one of the standout cruiserweights that I remember from my childhood, weirdly. Maybe it's it's too late because I started watching in 96. But watching it back, I thought, wow, this guy's really good. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. So that's my first positive is Blitzkrieg's uh, debut.
0: Yeah, it, it was a really good match. Uh, Blitzkrieg goes on to have a really short career. I think he's retired by about 99. Yeah, uh,
1: I had a quick look at him, yeah. He, he didn't last much longer, because I thought, who is this guy? I wonder if it's someone that's still, you know, wrestling under a different name. Yeah. But no, it's a shame.
0: Uh, and, and, he, and he felt very much in kind of that NXT, um, AEW yeah. style of uh, 2021. You know, it's yeah, it was a sort of very modern match that you maybe wouldn't have expected to get
3: at this point. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was great. Yeah. But it definitely caught me off guard as well. Um I know obviously like I've said I've mentioned before I haven't watched a vast amount of WCW so a lot of this is um, it's first time viewing for me. And uh yeah Blitzkrieg versus Rey Mysterio caught me by surprise. I-, I knew the reputation but that type of match is for for the opening of a show just for a hot open. Mm-hmm. And um com- contrary to um to the uh, you know the matches on the Sullivan episodes Fans seemed seemed interesting. They seemed up for it. It was fast pace. It was high flying. There was um who was it? Uh, I can't, can't remember. if It was uh, Ray or Blitzkrieg. It a twisting corkscrew moonsault off the second rope to the floor, yeah. which just looked awesome. cool as shit. Ray hitting the power bombers. Blitzkrieg went for the seated on Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Ray hitting the drop kick off the attempted crossbody uh, from the top to the floor. There were just loads of great moments and just exactly what you want from, uh, yep. you know, from from a lucha libre match. Not like that crap we watched on Raw that time, Rob, where they brought in the uh, the AAA wrestlers and tried to uh, make them wrestle a, a slow paced submission yeah. style.
0: Yeah, Pro Rro and uh,
3: Cybernetico.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Sort of in the build to this match, we get a flashback of. Lex Luger telling um, Ray that he shouldn't be wearing his LWO t-shirt because yes. that's been standard now. and shouting at him he's not a member of the Wolf Pack, which I suppose is a little bit weird if you haven't watched recently and seen
2: <laughs> the I, I
1: remember it, it kind of went on to be mask versus hair. And that was, that was quite a cool gimmick when I was watching. I was, what, at this stage, 11, 10, 11 years old. It was quite cool to see at that age as well someone, wow, is mask going to come off? And it was equally shocking. Wow, she's going to get her head shaved. It, it, was, a good, it was a good angle. I thought
3: at that at that age. <laughs> yeah, because it, it, it was Mask versus Liz's hair, wasn't it? That was um,
1: yeah, that she didn't agree to.
3: <laughs> yeah, and well, you could tell because th- this was the first time. Because between this podcast and and doing the pay- monthly pay per view reviews for that nineties wrestling podcast, we've seen a fair bit of Liz. And bless her, she she was you know she was great. She her and Savage were were just awesome in the late eighties, early nineties. But whenever she was on the mic, she was she always seemed very nervous. Mm. But this was a genuine, this looked like a genuine yeah. moment where she was actually shitting her pants. I yeah, don't think exactly. they ran this by her.
0: <laughs> yeah, they actually show the thing, don't they? And um, she, she's
3: like, who's her?
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> There's a moment, it because it, take, it takes a second for it to sink in, doesn't it? Yeah. She's like, what? So yeah, for, uh, this was actually one of the ones that I was going to uh, bring up um, uh. as a positive. Because uh, I'll be honest, I, I didn't have many. So I was going to bring oh, my this, on I this. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're in your wheelhouse now, aren't we, Rob? Not, not yet. Give it another year. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's too god. Um, we need to. We do need to ask Mark on for that. That era. I think I'll just end up being mute, unmute for almost a whole episode and be outvoted on everything. But um, yeah, Blitzkrieg, Ray Mysterio, like you say, just surrounding it was uh, um, was a good amount of story, and they're obviously building to uh, to Super Brawl. Um, they got it across well. The match was good. So, yeah, can't fault that.
0: Cool. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it was a really good match. It, it definitely was. It's, n- it's not one of my top five, so maybe it's one we can come back to at the end. So if, if we just sort of go through all of our top fives until we've
3: exhausted them and then try and reach
0: a consensus. So, Dan?
3: Um, well, I was actually, I was just going to say, Rob, because I was going to bring up Blitzkrieg versus Rey Mysterio anyway. So uh, do you want to go next?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can do so many to choose from down there. I really don't know what you've (laughs) got. I am gonna go for Kimberly DDP and Scott Steiner. Damn it. Um, so all night you keep getting sort of cut to the nitro girls, and thank god there isn't a nitro party because that was very worrying on the last episode.
3: Um, it is is good to not see uh, me and Gene around children this week,
0: it is, it is. And they sort, of, sort of say, every time the Nitro girls are on, they sort of cut the camera backstage because Diamond Dallas Page is watching them because he's worried about what Scott Stein is going yeah. to do. And sort of this paranoia and it's sort of running through the, the whole part of the show. And weirdly, in, in the middle of this, we sort of cut to this scene where DDP is sort of in his, his dressing room. And this is just after the Nitro Girls are on, and he seems very relaxed. And then Rita Sever from Friday Night Dinner comes. i sorry, Friday Night Dinner. <laughs> I wish it was Friday Night Dinner. That would have been amazing. Uh, I'd love it really? to be. Tamsin Krieg, is it from Friday Night Dinner? That would have been amazing.
1: Yeah,
0: or, or Jim. Can you imagine if Jim had come in? Yes. Yeah. That would have been brilliant. But unfortunately, it's uh, from Friday Night Video. And, you know, they have this really flirty conversation, you know. Mm. Rita they there saying, "It's can't believe it's so long since you've seen Diamond Dallas Page in the ring. And Diamond Dallas Page is saying, I can't believe it's so long since I got you in the ring. And, uh, and then Rita Sever does an impression of Diamond Dallas Page ending in Feel the Bang. And mm. it just felt really weird that he's having this flirty moment with this. Other woman while he's worried about his wife, but yeah. let's park that for a second because then they're about to leave the arena and Kimble is um, sort of putting a luggage in the yeah. uh, in the boot of the car and then all of a sudden Scott Steiner appears and starts harassing her and DDP runs out from the other side of the car and a fight ensues and all of a sudden Scott Steiner like uh, has jumped in the car and drives off in the car and Kimball is in the car. And then Mm -hmm. they do this like speed U-turn and you think he's going to drive off with her because the commentary we've been saying all night about Scott Steiner wanting a date with her and being creepy, that kind of thing. And then he throws her out of the moving car and she just like rolls along the tarmac and it was just, you know, complete (laughs) shocking moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously they had a a stunt double, but, you know, (laughs) let's be fair to Kimberly. that's not something that's...
1: Oh yeah, she's a dancer.
0: (laughs) Exactly, you know. But no, I mean, you know, I, I thought it was a completely shocking moment and it kind of made me want to see what, what else is going to happen with this storyline, you know, going forward. It felt like something that would have kept the viewers watching through the break. You know, they, they have it there and it looks... Re- and I thought it looked pretty realistic when the paramedics were putting the neck brace on her and stuff. It didn't kind of look like the, you know, the WWE cheesy stuff yeah. that they do nowadays. It, 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 felt, it felt that like it had that element of realism, so... You know, I, I'm putting that on.
1: I agree. That was that was on my list as well. I, I just thought it felt so real. It built the feud definitely to, to Super Brawl, uh, having interfered with his wife, in, throwing her out of a moving car. She seemed to be, yeah, like you said, it just felt real. The, the medical professionals, when they were moving her, were so like, right, move her this way, move her that way. Right now, now support her neck. And they were just so real. Yeah, loved it.
3: I think he hit the nail on the head when he said, "Professional, like as far as the medics yeah. go, like yep. so often on RAW, you sit and like this is just this has been not just recently, this has been years. You see him just like jostling people around, and it's just like that would not just not happen. This was this was actually even looking back at it now was pretty shocking because you, you've just seen someone get chucked out of a moving car, even for wrestling that is out there.
1: Yeah. Um, and that Bobby Heenan is way out has- there." Been- Bobby Heenan on commentary as well was like, "Don't move her, don't move her. Whatever you do, don't move her." He, he yeah. like kind of feared that moment as well. It, it was really good,
3: and they even carried it over into the after effects as well. Uh, so not in yeah. the after effects, into the segments after where they're trying the to match, yeah, they talking, trying to park yeah. it and just say, "Right, we need to just get it out of our minds, just get onto the yeah, next we need match." To move on, yeah. So yeah, I kind of, the um, the sort of stuff building up to it where they just showed Diamond Dallas watching the uh, watching the Nitro girls. I thought he was just tugging. <laughs> To be perfectly honest, it just looked because I know what he was going for. He was just put in with like nervous energy and he can't stand still. But you couldn't see his legs moving or where his hands were. So you could just see one shoulder, just it's, one arm moving. And it looked like he was playing pocket billiards. Uh, it, it's in Rita Sever off screen, is not it? <laughs> <laughs> that Rita Sever promo was weird. And then that actually, going back to that, you say about the disparity of it. He then, uh, DDP then looks at the. Uh, he says to whoever's, whoever yeah. he's in the room with, he said, oh, she's kind of scary. And then he looks at the camera and he's like, kind of <laughs> like her scary.
1: It's terrible. I hated that.
3: <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh, no. It makes I your skin crawl, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't know where they were going with that. Given the, the rest of the events of the rest of the night, it, it was just weird.
3: Yeah, but the actual, the DDP and Steiner Brawl in that moment with the car, it had the same sort of, um, sort of shock value as... Um, when again going back to that night's wrestling podcast, when they had the uh, the bit with um, with Jake and uh, and Liz, yeah, when Jake put his hands on Liz, and you think you rotten bastard. Except this is even more so because like, it's not even a you rotten bastard; it's a fucking hell.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tony Schiavone was describing him, wasn't he? afterwards, he was like, "Wow." Uh it, it, even if we don't see him again it'll be too soon and everything like that. They were just going on about it. It really made it. I, that that's my favourite commentary team of all time because obviously I grew up with them. So yeah, what was, it, think... was it
3: at that point? Shivoni, Heenan and Tene? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Larry's well, Abisco as well there was on and off actually.
3: He yeah, was like he was in the first half and then we saw him yeah. uh, then we saw him having a piss.
1: <laughs> with this shop, yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but yeah, um that uh, DDP and Steiner goes on there for me you, you, uh, we're two for two Well, we're three, for, three for that one all right <laughs> two for two for my pick so far so is that one going on Are we because we're actually we're actually unanimous yeah uh, so you haven't given us one yet dan okay right i'm torn between keeping the positivity train going or just picking something i want to shit on yep let's pick something that i want to shit on and that's the cat's open challenge. Okay. So the cat comes out with Sonny Ono. and He's doing this whole I'm the greatest thing. And Sonny Ono's a good manager. I always like Sonny Ono whenever I've seen him. I think he's very effective. Dino does his shitty antics very well. And Cat's, you know, going around, he's giving the audience some abuse, which fair enough. It's kind of, you know, kind of what he's there to do. He's getting a you suck chant. Uh, and then we cut back to NWO black and white stitching up Virgil, uh, sorry Vincent, telling him, uh, saying the cat's calling him out. Vincent tries to buddy up to Disco Inferno, tell him cat's talking shit about his sister, but Disco's having none of it. So yeah, this equated to six minutes of the cat calling people out and Vincent um just wandering around backstage. Come out, cat's still talking shit. Ono blindsides Vincent, which again I do like. Sonny Ono is is very good. And it was same as we saw last week, Rob, where the cat's limiting his move set pretty much. Uh, apart from he's now uh, he's now not above strangling uh, Vincent, with, I think with with his own robe, but it's more just like trying the kicks, trying you know doing the strikes. Vincent comes in with boots in the corner and a bit of ground and pound, then Cat's hitting his martial arts kicks again. Uno gets the boots. In fact, suddenly Uno might have been the highlight of this match because he's he, he did his job very bloody well. Cat drags or you know Cat drags Ono off off him and then Vincent jumps him. Vincent accidentally clocks a security guard and gets knocked into the crowd, which was probably the one of the probably the highlights sort or of spot of the match. It just sort of limped along and, and dicked about. It was very disjointed. It didn't feel like they really had a plan, had a plan to had a plan for it. And you know Vin then Vincent gets the uh, gets the cheeky roll up for the end. And I just by the end I've I've got three words to sum it up at the end of my notes. That was terrible. Well,
2: yeah.
0: to, to be absolutely fair to this match, I, I don't think it was the match that was the point. I think it was the point that Hogan had been going through the entire NWO black and white and trying to unsettle them all. So he'd told Brian Adams that he should be the leader. He'd told Horace. Yeah, Stevie Ray, Horace. He'd told Vincent that he should be the leader. And he's sort of setting, setting them all against each other and telling them not to tell people the leader, but sort of do it surreptitiously and, you know, make people know, and then we're going to attack them later. So everyone thinks they're trying to boss Vincent around. And I get
3: that. I get that. But it doesn't stop this being crap.
0: Well, (laughs) I I did like that Vincent clocks on that everyone's doing this on his way to the ring, and then he thinks, I'm going to try it on with Disco Inferno, and Disco's just not taking his crap.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That that was that was partially amusing, but I just it was just so bad. Even even with the context of everything, it just six minutes.
1: Yeah, I agree. It went on far too long. It was just he was in the ring. I I love Ernest the Cat Miller. He he, he gets he he, he's a top athlete. I've always liked the cat, Mm. but I did find myself thinking, "Oh come on, this this is is just out there, kind of flat." Floundering, is that the word? Floundering? Floundering, yeah. Yeah, A that, that's the word. he was just kind of out there. The insults that he would give giving were funny at first. but then he Not was the upset. 15th
3: time you've heard it.
1: Yeah, it, it just went on too long. Um, yeah, it was just... Match, matchwise, Cat was good. I thought Vincent was, was shit, to be honest. He didn't really... I, I don't know, he just looks His punches were crap, his kicks were crap. I, did, I just didn't really like it. Sonny Ono, yeah, was probably one of the highlights. I agree.
0: I think Vincent was there to be shit,
3: though. I think that that was his. That's why they hired him. Rob, you can't take every criticism of every show and say, "Yeah, but that was the point." Uh, the point. You're like, you're, it's like it's like it's like Dave Meltzer reviewing AEW. The, <laughs> well, actually, actually that, bit, <laughs> that bit with the cat,
0: that bit with the cat, felt like the you know when it goes to a commercial on AEW, but we've still got it in this country, we've still got it on the fight app. It felt like that. It felt. Oh. like It
3: felt, it felt meaningless. I don't watch fucking. Um, I don't watch AEW on Fight Man. I watch it on ITV4 where they tell us to get a nice cup of tea.
1: Yeah, I watch it on ITV4. I, I'm in and out with AEW though, at the minute, so from what I've seen, yeah, I watch it on, on ITV.
0: <laughs> so did this make your list, Sarah?
1: No, it didn't. But I do agree with it.
0: Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> it. it didn't make- Dan, there was so much quality on this show when you want to put this in. I mean, the the only thing is, you know, as an honorable mention, I put Hogan whispering in the ears of all of the NWR1, but it, it didn't actually make my top five. So maybe we can come I, back. I
1: put it as a little mention, but it's not one of the ones I've highlighted. I did quite like it. But,
0: yeah, so um, I guess we both put it as an honorable. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I guess it'll get first refusal if we can't. That's well, really we're awesome.
3: still, we've still, we've got that in the Blitzkrieg and rare as maybe's at the moment, and I, I wouldn't want it to go on above the Blitzkrieg and rare match, to be perfectly honest. No, I just <laughs> <You> recommended it. <laughs> yeah, do, I wanted to shit on something.
0: Yeah. <laughs> What's your next one, Sarah?
1: I don't know whether you're going to agree or not, but I, I really like uh, the, the cutaway segments with Raven and Canyon.
3: That
0: is I...
1: not
3: where I thought you were going with that.
1: No, it. Oh, this, oh you thought? Yeah, I know what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's coming up. We'll
0: <laughs> go there next.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just thought they were really amusing, and for me, it's something I didn't remember. From yeah. I never ever remembered that, so it's something actually new. And when Raven was like looking at the camera and thinking, like going, oh, "This guy," I just thought, "Oh my god!" As if Raven ever did that. It was just really amusing.
3: The nineties so wrestling office. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, as if like, I, I didn't remember any of it. And it was just really amusing and fresh just because I didn't remember it. But, yeah, I thought they were both really, really funny.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I loved this. And even Raven breaking the fourth wall, because I, I, yeah, can't even, yeah. I can't even remember any other time in wrestling up to this point in 99 when a wrestling show had people on that were breaking the fourth wall and oh. talking to the audience outside. And, yeah, I, I thought that was really good. But some of the stuff, like when um, Raven takes Canyon clothes shopping, and <laughs> he's like, "Versace, what's Versace?" Yeah, Versace.
1: Yeah, it. <laughs> it's brilliant. It was golden, absolutely golden. I loved it.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I did have, I did have this on my list in a roundabout way, because <laughs> I, I had a, because well, no, it's just cause I had a wider thing that I wanted to talk about. So, but I'll get into that after. But in isolation, those segments were were quite entertaining the the not like like you've said the nothing like we've seen in wrestling up to this point so it immediately points from me for trying something new brilliant stuff and it's a real departure in uh sort of character for raven at this point i believe because yeah. he's been like the the broody mysterious you know dude talking in riddles and poems and all of that
2: yeah, and we now we find fire... <laughs>
3: and yet there he is you know in some like mansion in suburbia with, with, a, with a Ferrari 355, which is a fucking nice car for the time. And he's basically sponging off his mum and in WCW. They crammed a lot of story into not a lot of time. Like we, we've said on the show before about maximising minutes or maximising seconds. These segments really did that.
0: Yeah, I, f- I thought they were great. You know, just the little touches like he's on first-name basis with the president of the bank sort of thing cause he's so rich.
3: Yeah, and then, oh, his, his 10 grand in singles, like you like yeah. it, and 10 grand in yeah. big bills. And he's looking at us like, what's all the singles for? And he's like, what do you think they're for? What do
2: you think it's for? <laughs> it's so good.
0: The they come out of the bank with two bags of swag. <laughs> <laughs> and
3: Raven's, Raven's singing a Christmas song.
1: Brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's, it's definitely on my top five. Definitely.
3: I can't stand in the way of it, because like I say, it, it's something that in a roundabout way I do have that I will come on to.
0: Yeah, excellent. So we've agreed on two so far. So I think it's me next. Yeah. And I'm going to go, well, we don't know she's Tori
3: Wilson yet. We don't no, know. no you're, not, you're not allowed to do that one. You're not allowed to do that one. We've got the number one Tori Wilson fan in the world.
1: Oh, I love her.
0: Well, if you want to do, if you, well, if you want to. No, no, no. <laughs> go ahead.
1: Okay, do, it. No, do it. do it.
0: <laughs> Sarah, if you want to do Tori Wilson.
1: Well, that's, that's an offer
0: that's that's <laughs> incredible <laughs> but no don't go for it no so we get and the whole thing is filmed sort of point of view so you're looking through the eyes of whoever tori wilson is speaking to and the only person you hear is tori wilson so
2: he,
0: she's there in, initially in the bar and she goes up to whoever's playing pool and so she's seen them around and with the wrestlers that kind of thing so we've got this suspicion that it might be a wrestler although i think we can probably work out who it is in the end, and then they're, um, they're off in the limo, and then the, they go in the hotel lobby, and uh, then we see them sort of going up to the hotel room. We see them, they, they, they actually uh, focus on the room number, room 412, and that actually did make me laugh, because um, I don't know if either of you watched WrestleTalk TV when it used to be on uh, Challenge, but they had, really? um, they had a quiz between Bobby Roode and a Bobby Roode superfan, And it came down to a tie break. And Bobby Roode said he'd win if you could tell him the hotel room he was in when um, they toured last year in Nottingham. And the guy goes, three, five. And Bobby Roode goes like this to celebrate. And he goes, no, it wasn't. And then he gives the correct number. And Bobby Roode, the colour just drains out of his face. (laughs) (laughs) He did remind me of that. And then we see them sort of going into the hotel room and, You know, there's clearly sort of she's uh, leading whoever on sort of thing. Uh, We're going to get something. But it was just sort of that level of intrigue. It's like it ran in about four segments throughout the show. You don't necessarily know who it is that she's talking to. This is the first time we've seen Tori Wilson in WCW. This is a debut. So we don't know what her agenda is, why she's doing it. And the other thing was the commentary didn't seem to know about it. It seemed, again, elevated away from the show as a storyline that was running that like, the commentary and the wrestlers and everyone around didn't kind of know about. So, you know, I, I thought that was sort of a really interesting device. So but I'm putting Tori Wilson on the list.
1: I would 100% agree. It is on mine because, like Dan knows, I, I am a bit obsessed with Tori Wilson. And, yeah, she, I think the, one of the best things uh, Kevin Nash ever did was spot Tori Wilson and employ Tori Wilson. I think that's – kudos to Nash for that. She's incredible. And, yeah, like you said, it was a good segment as well because it was – you didn't know what was happening. You didn't know who it was. There was just this fit bird saying, oh, come into a limo with me. And it, it was intriguing. So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely on mine.
3: As far as sort of a way to start a story – um, on TV, you have Tori Wilson who doesn't look any different today. She, she's amazing. She's she's I think I'm, she, she, she's been a, she's been a bombshell all her life, and it's just her talking at a camera. Although I was looking at it and I was sort of chuckling to myself, imagining that WCW had just sent a cameraman out with her to film her, and she <laughs> just decided to take him back to the hotel, and he's really going to get in trouble <laughs> if he doesn't stop filming. But at the same time, he can't say no to as you're like, ah shit, uh, All right, okay. I would have gone straight away at that bar, been
1: like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, let's go."
3: But if, yeah, I mean, even as even to have to have the commentators and anybody around it not know what the hell's going on is a risk. You know, it's really risky. But the segments were done so well and performed so well by Tory that it all just it all just worked. It was all intrigue, all intrigue, all intrigue you want to know who it was and who she was leading on. I, uh, who she was leading, you know, leading or taking wherever. I just had a laugh writing my notes and saying that she was just chatting up the cameraman, as I said, which just amused me no end. I don't actually know who this was. I have so, no idea.
0: I, I, well, I you do. do. <laughs> well, do you want to tell him,
1: Sarah? I think, well, this is going off memory, but I think it was David Flair. It and they, was turned, a- yeah, they turned David Flair against his dad because, well, who wouldn't? Uh, you know, David Flair was, what, probably 18, 20 years old at this time? And you've got Tori Wilson coming on to you. They used uh, yeah, Tori to turn him around and, and betray his dad. But oh, the nice. great thing at the
0: start was, and this sort of fed into the rest of the story, because you've got Hulk Hogan at the start of the episode, and he's in the limo with uh, Chuck Zito, who's one of the Hells Angels slash actors that had uh, mm-hmm. accompanied Hogan to the ring previously. And they're talking about finding a way to put pressure on David Flair. And that's like yeah. a... Whole- to last Monday's Nitro, and yeah. then you get a flashback to Thunder with Arne Anderson on the phone to Ric Flair going, well, they, they haven't done anything so far. I, you know, I think I think they're just, you know, it's just threats. And I, I don't think they're going to do anything. And, you know, they're talking about sort of having to protect him and be around him and make sure he doesn't get jumped by the NWO sort of thing. And, and this was sort of the perfect honey trap to sort of, you know, get to him in a way that the horsemen weren't expecting.
3: Yeah, fair enough. Because I watched the opening segment and I, I couldn't understand a thing Hogan was saying because the sound quality on the opening was just poor. I tried, I tried turning the volume right up, and I, then I just decided I don't give enough of a shit about what Hogan has to say about anything in character or out of character. But yeah, if that's the storyline, that's 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 really clever. I mean, what better way to get an eighteen twenty you know eighteen to twenty year old dude in trouble just having follow his
2: dick.
0: And and the beauty of this storyline is, what is Ric Flair going to let him do and take his eye off him? Well, he's going to let him go. Off. He's going to let him go off with the pretty girl, isn't he? You know, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Rick Ric Flair. Flair. <laughs> it's Ric Flair but, you know it's the Achilles heel. You know,
3: yeah. Well, it goes back to that the first episode of Nitro that we covered on the on the show, uh, where Flair walks out with the uh, woman and uh, Elizabeth. It's it's the Flair weakness. Yeah. Women of the women of flair's weakness so yeah it's uh and again this will come this was gonna come up on my list in a roundabout way um encapsulated in uh, in one subject so and also because I think Sarah might actually kill me if i uh, if I veto Tory Wilson
2: <laughs> yes
3: so well done. I, will, I will be the yes man again, so given the last two picks, I've been alluding to something and as I've said on the show before, I like it when stories go throughout the show. You know, when stuff builds. Like we had the, the DX invade invasion of uh, of, uh, of WCW springs to mind as you know something that came across multiple segments. They were of dubious quality, but at least it you know at least it came up throughout the show and it was something different and unique and and ultimately iconic. Going back to the Finley versus Booker T match, and we're talking about stories playing out throughout the show. Another one of those, uh, one of those stories we've alluded to, is a uh, Hogan saying uh, saying about you know who's the real leader of the NWO Black and White. One we haven't mentioned yet is Flair making Bischoff the head custodian for the evening. Yeah. And in the middle of the fucking match, Finley versus Booker T, you get a, um a, the you get the Hogan and Horace backstage vignette where Hogan wants Horace to lead the NWO black and white and then it cuts back and it's Ric Flair making bish off the head custodian we I, I say we I've bitched before about things interrupted a match back on the first few episodes it was stupid phone calls you know phone call with Bret Hart where he just didn't want to be there phone call with Shawn Michaels where his line quality was so bad and just distracting from the mat from what was otherwise probably a half decent or a good match this was this wasn't just a phone call while you still saw the in ring this was a full blown cutaway and removing removing the action completely and it just bugged me and it's not even the first time it happens one of the tory wilson segments breaks up i think uh, it's something near the uh, something near the end of the show i can't remember which segment it was i didn't um, i forgot to highlight it in fact it might have been the main it was the main event the final tory wilson segment occurs um between uh, between entrances for the main event. And I know that I get that again, you know, trying something different, so you got to, you know, I've got to give it credit for trying it. It just really didn't land for me. I honestly thought my network had been skipping around and and getting it wrong and fucking up somehow. Because it just it it just didn't work. Like I said, credit to them for trying something new. And you know we've said on the show that the least important part of the wrestling is the wrestling, but it just, it just wasn't, wasn't a hit for me.
2: The,
0: the, the, the thing I'd counter that with is the last show that we reviewed was very sort of you know, promo, replay, vignette heavy in the first hour. I think there was one relatively short match in the first hour and it was just promos and vignettes. And, and that balance fell all off for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Way that they did this, it felt like they were spreading stuff through the show. So it wasn't just a big chunk here, a big chunk there. It felt it was spread out. And I will
3: will give you that. I will give you that.
0: And I I did actually write in my notes that you know that this match was a really decent match that was, you know, possibly just spoiled by having too long a segment in the middle. So, you know, I I kind of agree with it on that point of view, but the segments were some of the best parts of this show. So it's difficult.
3: Yeah, it's um, like I say, it's just something, just something that, that sort of rankled me again. I'm not. It's actually. I'm trying not to shit on it too much because again, yeah. I, I do want to give credit for trying something different. But um, um, sorry, Sarah, what did you think?
1: Well, I've actually got that on my list as a negative. Yeah, I, I didn't mm-hmm. like the way that it took away from a match. To be honest, to, to show the backstage stuff. But uh, that being said, yeah, I, I, I agree with what Rob's just said. I didn't like it interrupting the match, but I did like seeing Bischoff. It was kind of amusing, you know, seeing him backstage being uh, Flair's bitch for once after what he did to him the year before. Um, But I didn't really like it interrupting a match. I just thought, oh, we're watching a match and now we're seeing Bischoff in a toilet. Yeah, I didn't really like that.
0: I did actually put Bischoff in the toilets on my top five.
1: I did like the segment, I just didn't like it interrupting the match. But like you say, yeah, if they're trying something new and they're getting the best of both, then can you really, yeah, can you really put that down?
0: I I don't know, Dan, if that counts. I mean, technically, if we we have Raven and Canyon and Tori Wilson and Bischoff in the Mm -hmm. toilets, that that covers interruptions because all of those were...
3: It does.
1: I liked the content of the interruption. I just didn't like when the interruption was placed.
3: If yeah, if, if the segments had had occurred either side of a match, yes, uh, but then but then like Rob Rob does rightly say, it, it's it's an odd balance to find because we found last week that if you have too many vignettes, promos, recaps, replays back to back, then it's it's wank, to for lack of a better <laughs> word, it's just not fun. So uh, it, it, this 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 it initially it is a negative for me that it, which because my point is that it's breaking up. It's really oddly placed, breaking up the match, and because I'm a, because my, because I've got a brain the size of a peanut, it, it confused the shit out of me at first.
1: I think commentary so. did continue, like they were commentating on both, so that like Tony Schiavone was still saying what was happening in the ring, and then you had kind of uh, Brain and and Sabisco or whoever it was, or Mike Delay saying what was going on backstage. So you did get a bit of both, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I didn't like it breaking up the match.
3: Think, think I think we're all I think we're also kind of coming coming at this from different angles we're back to master blaster again um, so
0: yeah i think I think we should put it on because it it is prevalent throughout the show and you don't get those other you know pre produced segments without without them interrupting the matches in this show it's, you don't get the good without the bad if that makes sense
3: yeah, so if we call it like um if we call it I don't know, vignette, match interruption or something like that. Yeah, match is getting interrupted.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Hey, I got one on. Yeah? Right. <laughs> Hold on, Dan. Have you got a pass, there?
1: The only one that I had, really, I'll touch on it briefly because it's already been talked about, but Kimberly's injury. I had that listed as a, a yeah, a very notable moment. It was great, um, but we've already discussed it. So uh, the other one I had was Piper's return it was quite cool. Rowdy Roddy Piper coming back and, and also winning the belt as well, I thought was quite cool and notable.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got Brett Piper as uh, one of my top five. So, so do I. More, well, there uh, you know. go.
3: <laughs> so, um, should, should we talk a bit about the match?ing
0: then? Well, I mean, there's sort of Flair's promo before where Brett's been going around with a groin injury for months, uh, kind of the cowboy Bob Arden of WCW at this point. yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think we should check on Cowboy Bob Art and see if his arms are okay. Uh, it's, it's taken a long time to heal. <laughs> uh, and Flair tells him that he's going to have to have a championship match. Initially, he says that it's going to have to be at Super Bowl 9, but then he changes to so it's going to have to be tonight, and it's going to have to be against a surprise opponent, and then he just can't keep the surprise in. It's going to be against Rowdy Roddy Piper. And, and Piper's been away from WCW at this point since September. So, you know, mm-hmm. that pop from the crowd is probably sort of very real and quite a surprise that they didn't think they were going to get. I think Piper had been away filming Last Stand at this point. I mean, he's been in quite a few films, so it could, could have been something else. But th- then we get um, Piper coming out. Obviously, we covered the match when we reviewed WrestleMania um, 8 on uh, mm-hmm. That Night's Wrestling podcast. That they had, that they've obviously got a long running rivalry. We covered it in the last episode that we covered for Nitro. It's just a, an absolute great rivalry. And it was interesting to see Brett in this match working as a proper heel, not that kind of cool heel that we'd seen him when he's, you know, Team Canada, um, mm-hmm. you know, the hero and then the villain in America sort of thing. It was cool seeing him doing kind of the little, uh, the little cheating bits in this match. So. Re- really enjoyed sort of, sort of that element of it. And in terms of the match, we actually get a bit where Brett pulls Will Sasso from Friday Night uh, video over the guardrail. And when I was watching it, I was thinking, that's the guy from Doctor Who, the movie, that was in the morgue when um, Sylvester oh, sh- McCoy regenerated into Paul McGann. Do
1: it. Fuck! Do it be that guy. Yes, oh man, i
3: completely forgot about that. I love that movie as a kid. I still watch it. I still watch it at least once a year now.
0: It, it gets it gets maligned, but I love Doctor Who the movie. I thought it was great. I thought oh. Paul McGann was a great Doctor. I thought Eric Roberts was a great Master.
1: I yeah. think he needed more time as the Doctor. I'd have happily watched him as the Doctor for a couple of seasons.
3: I'd watch him as the Doctor now to do like a throwback series. Absolutely, yes. I think yes. he's actually done because Paul McGann's just got a brilliant speaking voice. I think he's done a, a lot of the uh, radio dramas. I think they did a split, um, like a split series radio drama thing with him and John Hurt through the uh, the Time War.
0: They did a micro episode where Paul, and actually, I think it was just on YouTube or something, but Paul McGann, where he regenerates into John Hurt, yeah. which was absolutely brilliant, even if it was just for. Uh, it was uh,
3: so the. Uh... It was the Sisters of Calm, wasn't it? And he, he drinks the potion or whatever it is to, to become the war doctor. And he has that line. He, he's had a movie and this shot, and he's still got a great... He's, just his last words are brilliant. Where he drinks things, says, physician, heal thyself. And well, the, it.
0: the beauty of this, and I'm going to get all Doctor Who nerdy here, but the Sisters of Calm were last in the Morbius brain, which is where the Tom Baker doctor... Has a battle with a Time Lord called Morbius, who's in this sort of different body, and it shows them going back for his regenerations, and it shows people before Hartnell, and then that's the thing that gets brought back in the Jodie Whittaker one in the yeah, time. Yeah. Oh
3: man, I need wow. to get a month. I need to get a month of BritBox and
1: uh, That's has uh, shit out of man, all Yeah, it. That, uh, Gary's got BritBox, so I was watching some uh, some classic who at Gary's house the other day. He's got it. It's really really good.
3: Yeah. Oh, so, Can we just do a, like a Doctor Who, um, a Doctor Who fan cast when we're done with UTT and just like watch every episode?
1: <laughs> I would, I would volunteer for that definitely. <laughs> we,
0: might, we might have to pick and choose. Uh, at the start of the lockdown, I actually did go through, and, and some of them are a bit of a chore. But mm-hmm. uh, but by the by the flip side, some of them are brilliant, um, and the Morbius Brain's a good episode as well. So yeah. a
3: bit like Nitro and Raw from the nineties. Exactly. <laughs> that, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue! I am, I am the master of segues. Looks like Eric Roberts. Yeah. Oh man, when that when they when the master's serpent like remains just going going to his body while he's sleeping and snoring his head off. Anyway, um, yeah, back to the match. I uh, <laughs> Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper. We've we've said before um, about the rivalry and just they built the WrestleMania eight match from nothing and put on a clinic. And the kind of did the same here. You had Flair's promo, which I'll be honest, I didn't care for. Oh. I don't know. I, I'm the more I see a Flair in this era, um, I'm just thinking that the the Flair of the late '90s just wasn't for me. I don't know why. Just the couple the couple of things we've seen, you know, th- throughout. Uh, the, this is now what the third, yeah, third WCW uh, episode we've done. I just I don't know. Just so much not clicking for me with him but anyway the actual match itself they've, they've had one promo to build it piper's come out to a huge pop the match itself it's a bit weird because last week i criticised the main event for being like absolutely star studied and it was all for 90% of it was all punches kicks chops and just generic brawling bullshit with barely any actual wrestling this was the same for a lot of it but because it was hart and piper uh, it worked. I don't think you expect a wrestling clinic, at least in the at the outset, with from Piper. And just, yeah, the stuff with Will Sasso was really good. Brett was an excellent shithouse throughout okay. the whole thing. But, the, with the fake injury angle, we, we've talked before about fake injury okay. angles. Worked really well, and then he just jumps Piper as soon as Piper's back's turned. But you've got the trainer in the ring, you know, checking him over and all that. And funnily enough, <laughs> Brett hit the Russian leg sweep, and Mike Taner actually called it out as one of the first actual wrestling moves in the match. And I've even <laughs> written, I've even, I've even written in my notes. But unlike last week's main event, it's decent. Um, you know, Brett's hitting the headbutt to the midsection, raking Piper's face along the top rope. Piper's they end up brawling outside. He, uh, Brett goes after Sasso, um, which the commentary for, for as good as the commentary were and have been throughout the last two weeks. They kind of no soul him going after Sasso. I don't know if they just couldn't see what was going on or what Brett had done, but it was a very lacklustre reaction for Brett essentially going after a fan.
2: Yeah.
0: I think and they then, knew who was, though. I think I think they did know he was a celebrity.
3: Yeah, they did. They, but it was kind of like, oh, that, oh, he's gone after Will Sasso. We are perfectly fine with Brett just punching the fat man. Yeah, they
0: might have hated him, though.
3: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Piper jumps Brett as well after the Sasso thing and then they get back in the ring and Piper, bless him, he hits a, a float over vertical suplex. But it, he hits the suplex and then just does a very, very slow backwards roll into the uh, into the pin. And you know, I can't criticise anybody for in- in-ring work. I have set foot in a wrestling ring once and it was to have my picture taken and I was shit-faced. Um, so I can't criticise any in-ring, any in-ring work. It just struck me as funny. And I think at this point, uh, Will Sasser and his friends actually start a rowdy chant uh, and the whole crowd get into it. Yeah, they
1: start supporting him,
3: yeah. Which is is great to see. Um, You know, you get your front row up and running and the the rest of the crowd follow suit. Um, The finish, to me, was just great. You know, Brett's already had what looks like a... uh, Could be a knuckle duster or he could have just had, like, some putty on his hands. It could have been Play-Doh. You know, he's... Punched Piper, and then Will Sasso and Bret Hart have this great tug of war with the referee. Yes, where Sasso's just like got Sasso's just like I know Bret's an athlete, but I weigh enough that if I just grab this guy's leg, he's not going anywhere. And then Sasso lets go, and Bret does kind of the stumble backwards. Piper rolls up for the three. And if I if I remember rightly, this is the first title change we've actually covered on the show in mm-hmm. fifteen weeks now.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: Didn't we cover the tag title change with the Smoking Guns and Yoko and Owen?
3: Like I said, that is the first singles cha- uh, title change that we've uh, covered on this show. Um, but, yeah. That's started out. You know,
0: I mean, you get crowds chanting, this is awesome or whatever these days at the drop of a hat. Mm. I've written down in my notes, there seemed to be genuine joy from the crowd when... Piper won this match, you know they, 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 weren't, they weren't just happy because of the wrestling show or worked or whatever, they just seemed elated
1: Yeah, I agree the, the crowd reaction was brilliant I enjoyed, like you said, Brett being like the cowardly heel, rather than what he normally was uh, he was like cowardly, faking injuries it, it was good to see him in that role and yeah, I loved the tug of war with the referee amusing <laughs>
3: It really was. Um, I'm, I've, I've made no, I've made no, no bones about it. I absolutely adore Bret Hart. He's my first favorite wrestler. Yeah, but he was even great as a bad guy. You know, I saw, I saw him when he was a face in the early nineties, the tweener in sort of the uh, 96, 97 era WWF before he left. So the WCW stuff completely bypassed me until the network came out. And this, this is probably the best I've seen Bret in WCW from what I've watched.
1: Yeah, I don't think originally, I don't think they really knew what to do with him when they got him. Like, it was which just is, like. Oh, which is
3: insane.
1: <laughs> I know. He's, he's Bret Hart. Yeah. And he was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, being
0: he is. Came an in as a bit of a damp squib, but I think now that Kevin Nash is in charge of booking, he is going to try and lower him down the card. I think they'd had some beef in WWF. Well, I think
3: it was well documented. that It's been well documented since the problems that Brett had with the click
0: yeah. in yeah. general. That um, Actually, on, uh, on today's episode of Keeping It 100, um, Disco Inferno was telling the story about um, a match on Thunder that Brett and Disco had. And mm-hmm. Nash basically had booked all the matches and the storylines and then just went home. He didn't stay for the show. And he'd booked them in for 27 minutes and they just didn't know what to do and halfway through apparently um brett puts um, disco in the sharpshooter and the referee's telling him he can't go home he's got another 13 minutes
3: jesus christ
2: uh, i mean
3: that that is that is like that is some punishment getting told you have to make disco for disco inferno look good for 27 minutes he hasn't looked that good in his whole career
0: well, you know, he said he, was, he didn't have the repertoire to do that, but, you know, he'd already gone by that point, so they were just left on their own to deal with it.
2: Oh.
3: That's nuts. Oh,
2: that's... I
0: kind of
3: want to see that match
2: now. Yeah.
3: We might hit it if we, go, if we go to the funders, eh? Yeah, well, we'll
0: save that in case we do go to the funders, because uh, that might be an interesting one.
3: Yeah. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, Hart and Piper can is up there, like I say, it was my, uh, my final thing that I wanted to bring up. Um, the only other sort of honourable mention, really, for me, was the um, not the main event, but the actual the finish of the main event. Because the match itself, again, was just... It was the second week in a row where we have looked at WCW and the main event was just sort of there. But then when it all went to hell at the end... When you had the double down between Flair and all, then but again they interrupted the match because Hogan's carrying a fucking uh, a fucking mop bucket
2: yeah.
3: with him, <laughs> and so Disco comes out and Hogan, in fairness, got a massive pop. But Disco's holding Flair. Flair fights out. Hogan chucks something at Mongo. It looks like water. Well, Mongo, the, the, Mongo and, looks like the Wicked Witch of the West.
0: That's in the previous segment. Zabisco had told Bischoff to bleach the floors and she yeah, just that, start, you start reaching for the bleach and going, hmm,
3: bleach. And yeah, then the I assume thing- that's, what it's, that's what it was. Um, and then it just all goes absolutely mental. Flair starts chasing Hogan, he gets double teamed by the outsiders. He gets the, <laughs> Flair just starts dick punching everybody. <laughs> Left, right and centre, which I'm, I don't care who you are or how it happens or where you see it. Somebody getting punched in the nuts is always funny. As long as you're not the one getting punched in the nuts, And yeah. um, then Goldberg comes out, it spears Disco, Bam Bam Bigelow comes out to fight Goldberg. It's a no contest, and it just goes to hell. And it was kind of like we see that a lot, you know, shows ending like that, especially in this era. But it, given what had happened previously, it all kind of made it all kind of made sense. So that's the only other sort of honorable mention I had. But it, it that to me wouldn't go couldn't uh, wouldn't go before. Um, Brett and Piper.
0: Yeah. So we've got our list here, Brett and Piper. We've got the matches just getting interrupted in general. We've got um, Tori Wilson doing everything on her own, basically. We've got Raven and Canyon on their shopping trip. And we've got uh, Kimberly DDP and Scott uh, Scott Steiner.
3: Yeah, sounds good to me.
0: Excellent.
1: Yeah, I agree with that list, yeah.
0: Cool, so now it's time for an ad break. So we'll go through the ads that were on the show. So we get an advert for Super Brawl 9. There's going to be a tag team tournament f- final there. So there's actually sort of an advert in and of itself for Super Brawl 9. But before one of the matches for this tournament, we got a really good video package where they were sort of hyping up previous
3: champions. And- oh, shit, yeah, I meant to bring that up earlier. Wow. Well, you know- yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, you can go through it
3: now. It was good.
0: It were good. It was really good. It
2: was <laughs> it were really good.
0: Yeah. It was it, were re, it were good. Yeah. It didn't make our top five, so you won't hear about it, but it was really good, trust us.
3: Um, it was good The, the, like, the way they the broke down the lineage of the of the championship was, was just fantastic, introducing legendary tag teams and saying, you know, who's held the belts, you know, where it's come from, and then hyping up uh, hyping up every tag team involved in the tournament, some of which were of questionable quality. There was one of those tournament tag team matches uh, on this show, and it'll, it should speak to the quality of it that nobody thought to even mention it. It, it,
0: it was it
1: just be all right. Yeah. It wasn't...
3: In fact, it was another. It was another one that was interrupted by uh, by Eric Bischoff yes. in a bog. It was, yeah. Yeah,
0: it was a great promo for the tournament, and then yeah, just. And,
3: and then they give you Brian Adams and Horace Hogan versus uh, Barry and, uh, Windham and Kurt Hennig, which yeah. I say Wind- it hurts me to say Windham and Hennig's name so dismissively
1: because they cause the were know.
3: both so good in the, in the prime.
1: I liked the, the style of the tournament as well. I, it was elimination as in you had to have two eliminations, so if you got beat, you weren't out. I liked that style of tournament. I think that's interesting.
3: I did once I got my head around it.
1: You had to have two losses. So, yeah, it was a bit confusing the way they they were describing it on commentary. But, yeah, I think the the basis of it was you had to have two losses. So even if I think both those teams were on one loss already. Something
3: like that, yeah.
1: Something like that.
0: So they're advertising the chance to meet Goldberg uh, in um, Massachusetts Auburn Mall. They replays are sponsored by Skittles.
3: Again, yeah. Skittles creeping in everywhere. I'm pretty sure they've been on both brands now.
1: They have. Yeah. Jim Ross goes mental for Skittles.
3: He does.
1: <laughs> does. Skittles yeah. guys. Yeah, he's ridiculous with it.
0: Talking about creeping in, you can buy a ticket for the 1999 WCW Bruise Cruise. It's a four-day cruise with the Nitro girls who will be oh, right. uh, stretching out on deck, apparently. Uh, the entire advert focused about going on this cruise, so perve on the Nitro Girls, and and then after the advert had finished, Tony Schiavone did mention on commentary that DDP, Buff Bagwell, and Bret Hart would also be on the cruise. But for the advert point of view,
3: The Nitro Girls are going to be on a boat. They can't get away from you. That it just it was just another one of them kind of the things. Now that looking back was just a bit creepy. Yeah.
1: I used to love the Nitro Girls. I have the Nitro Girls as one of my highlights, but then I thought, I can't really have them as a highlight because they're just on the show consistently, but I do love the Nitro Girls.
3: And I'd end up talking about DDP masturbating backstage. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> we, ne- we never see
0: Wildcat Willie, who was uh, there in all the breaks, and as soon as uh, he cut back to the screen, he wasn't there anymore. So uh, he was dancing with the Nitro Girls in his costume.
3: Or cool. oh, Wildcat
0: Willie. Or oh, Wildcat Willie, or oh, Jeeves as he was known earlier.
3: For me, it was Jeeves, wasn't he, with, with uh, Regal. Well, if you go to the Rough Arena, uh,
0: where Thunder's going to be on Thursday, you can meet Chris Jericho and the Nitro Girls. So, chance to go and
3: perv in person. And, I've seen, I, have seen, I have actually seen Jericho fall out of a... Uh, I was going to say a limousine. It wasn't a limousine. It was a big taxi uh, with, uh, with a burlesque troupe. Because he, he, he was playing a show in York at the Old Fibbers, and uh, it was his birthday... So um, I think I'm pretty sure they were like just like a local burlesque troupe uh, presented him with a cake. They were hired to present him with a cake for his birthday, and then they uh, all the band and uh, and the and the troupe came back to the uh, to the Artful Dodger.
0: Yes, talking about Jericho, we get a silhouette and there's a uh, a changed voice, uh, and the voice said, "Bring
2: this up, yeah."
0: (laughs) Every everyone was doing it. I, I didn't think it would hurt to try. I never yeah, yeah. thought I'd get addicted to Monday Night Jericho. I <laughs> thought that I yeah. never knew that I, like millions of others, would become a Jericho holic. And and then the lights come on, the boom mic hits him on the head, and the Jericho yeah, there. Yeah. He's getting all upset because he's trying to be <laughs> Uh,
1: I was meant to bring that up as well. I love that. My email address is still a Jericho holic one <laughs> from back in day. Yeah, I liked that. I love how Jericho was. Uh, I know he was obviously not in the. the the height of his career, but his WCW work was fantastic. Like he was just such a comic heel. Yeah. Not to go on about Jericho because he wasn't obviously. He didn't have a match on the card anyway. But yeah, it's good that he was just mentioned there and he had his little little show there with the, the mic dropping on his head.
3: <laughs> yeah. well, like said, uh, we said I brought up earlier about maximizing seconds. Yeah, it, it, it worked. Obviously, you know you, you remember it and you wanted to wanted to bring it up. So yeah, did the job really good.
0: I loved WCW, Jericho. I, I know he's got himself in trouble this week for uh, what happened at Blood & Guts, but, yeah, that's great in WCW. Well, what
3: happened at Blood & Guts? It oh,
0: fell on a big, comfy mattress.
1: He said it was cardboard. He's mm-hmm. come out and said, oh, no, it was, it was cardboard. But, again, going back to the three, well, the five things that we listed, that, that presentation, I think Blood & Guts just showed how the production could have been so much more on Blood and Guts and made it look good whereas they just didn't it, it, I don't know
3: well, yeah, I, I watched the Blood and Guts match and, and I, I, to be honest maybe it's because I'm you know just a bit old and cynical and and don't, don't, not that I don't really care but I've got no problem with Jericho taking a fall from that height and yeah. having something underneath him you, know, are you are you telling me that Shane McMahon took that huge Bump off the SummerSlam state, uh, set, and didn't have a shit ton of stuff to break his fall. No, of course it should. The only, yeah, the, the only, the only, the the, only, the, only, the only mistake that was made. Jericho, Jericho should apologise for a lot of things, but that that taking that bump is not one of them. The the failure there, the production, the failure yes. there is the camera exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's
1: yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they, definitely. I don't want to see Jericho hurt yeah, himself I'm with is fine. Is yeah I'm fine he's what, a 50 year old guy now I don't yeah. want to see even a younger guy I don't want to see you take a fall like that onto bloody concrete or steel fair dues to him but yeah the production could have been better that's all
3: I've watched a lot of deathmatch wrestling I've seen people do some gnarly shit yeah but the worst thing is seeing somebody take a fall like that onto concrete or with not enough padding which yeah. AEW know because it happened accidentally with Matt Hardy.
1: Yeah, did Matt fall on concrete?
3: Smashed the back of his head.
1: Oh, God. Blood
3: from blood. I'm pretty sure he was bleeding from the back of his head, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, wrong mm.
0: Rob. Oh, no, he it, it was. But, the, but, you know, like's well, like it been said, the problem with this wasn't that it was, was a fall. It, of course, it should be.
2: Mm. You know,
0: but if you were watching a film, that shit wouldn't fly, you know? Yeah. Um, Watching any other television series, that shit wouldn't fly. But because it's wrestling, we'll give them, you know, we'll give them an out because he's taken a far from a long place. Well, we'll men do that all the time, but the camera work, don't make it look so
3: shit. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not giving them an out. I'm saying it's um, it's just redirecting the criticism to where it should be, um, yeah. which I think Sarah's saying as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, definitely. If that, have, that, have the camera angle. I mean, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and I'm not a television producer, but have the camera angle. Behind MJF and slightly to the side. So all you see is yeah. Jericho going down. You yeah. don't need a close up. You don't need a dramatic shot of, of Jericho no. laying there.
1: Was it like that? What did, what, I seem to remember Rikishi coming off a cage and just going into like a big haystack or something. But because the camera angle was far away, you just saw like the smoke come up and the whole thing moving. And it looked really dramatic. But in yeah. essence, he just fell onto some hay.
3: Um, what it was, that was the Armageddon Hill Cell from, uh, I think, Two. 2001 How
2: 2000
3: yeah. uh, it was it was the six-pack challenge that so was rikishi bulldog taker austin i think rock and mick either mick foley or triple h maybe so whoever was in it but rikishi went to the top and he took he just went off the cage austin had like backed a truck up into the arena or something oh,
1: yeah. there was something there I can't quite it, remember
3: but it had, had like i'd like it did have hair something in the back of it but at the same time, rikishi is that big, and there ain't, there's only so much amount of hair you can fit in a pickup truck. So, and, and you know, I mean, poor suspension on that thing.
0: <laughs> uh, are you saying that rikishi's uh, ratioed hair? Is that the...
3: I don't know what that means.
0: M- moving swiftly on, I-, I think this show was sponsored by USA Today. I, think I don't new- know what that
3: means. <laughs> I, f- I think
0: uh, I think USA Today sponsored this show because we get Bam Bam Bigelow coming out with a novelty oversized article from USA Today that uh, is an interview with oh, Bill Goldberg goodness. and we, uh, about Goldberg saying that uh, all the members of the WCW roster should adopt an animal. And then later in the toilet, we get Bischoff reading a copy of USA Today and the camera <laughs> focusing on the logo rather than his face. So I uh, noticed
1: that second one.
3: <laughs> oh man I still don't know what it means So in terms
0: of shout outs that we've had for the show Bastards I'm chain- Bastards yeah On I'm chain-, I'm chain Wrestling uh, who-, who just go around telling stories of your drunken antics And I don't know where to get them
3: from i tell no. them
0: <laughs> Mag shouted us out And um, I think is angling to be on the show
3: Oh really Is yeah. he is he Really well, oh, Sai so is welcome anytime because as soon as they get round to having a, an episode of Chain Wrestling that's all drunk stories, apparently I'm the guest of honour.
0: This should get you on there, Dan. It's what you were born for. Bang Bang Podcast said that we can confirm the uh, true history of Tugboat's two
3: WWF title reigns. Yes, yeah, that is absolutely one hundred percent true. I listened to that and I uh, I've tweeted it out. Steve's recollection of events is is completely right.
0: Yeah, Repo Man being champion, the uh, the the Summer of Moon, when Max Moon was WWF champion, we, we remember um, it all. I, I well, know they're going to redact it and Peacock, but it's true. This,
3: this revisionist history even extends to the early 2000s, uh, because Kane actually won the 2001 Royal Rumble. He went on to main event WrestleMania. He beat both Steve Austin and The Rock, so Jericho can go fuck himself. He wasn't the first person to beat those two in one night. Um, and Kane actually uh, reformed the Ministry of Darkness and reigned for two years as champion.
2: Did he?
3: Yeah. But WWE won't let you remember that. They've done this revisionist history where Austin and Rock main evented WrestleMania 17.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's even, it's even worse, because they bought WCW, and they removed that bit where Tugboat turns up on Nitro and drops the title in the bin. I
2: know.
0: Bastards. <laughs> bastards. Absolute <laughs> bastards. Matty at Guru of Matitude said that... Um, it, it was, was great hearing Dan admit that it was wrong about Vader, and then he posted a vindication gif of Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
3: The first time in my 32 years on this planet that I have ever had to admit that I was wrong.
0: Uh, apart from about Scott Demar. Who? The, the guy that tweeted to say it actually was him and not Balls Oh, no, no,
3: that doesn't count. You paid him off.
0: <laughs> count me <laughs> <be. laughs> <laughs> Danny at Scottish uh, Juggalo said it was amazing that both sides of the Monday uh, morning wars were uh, covering episodes of Raw. It's almost as if someone's gimmick infringing.
3: <laughs> ah, that was a nice coincidence, though. I don't need to go back and watch the, uh, the Raw that, um, that Andy and Steve covered. It sounded terrible.
0: Well, they, they all were in that, <laughs> that era. <here. Yeah. laughs> Frank from Jofo in the Ring said show support for the uh, podcast, and Jofo replied with, he support, uh, I support. So and a nice bit of synergy there from the Joe for In The Ring guys.
3: Always appreciate those guys. Thank you very much.
0: Cy Powell, is getting on this list twice. said that he was upset that uh, Mag said that the um, introduction we gave him on the episode that went out last week was the best intro he'd ever had.
3: Um, uh, well, Cy, we've been nice to you once. Go fuck yourself up your game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, but Chris at uh, Chris underscore BFC said that he thought he was special uh, for the intro that he gave. Mag's on the anti-football podcast.
2: Uh,
3: uh, Chris, I'm not, I'm not going to be as harsh on you, mate. You've uh, you've got time to improve. Uh,
0: Steve-O said that he loved the cornet clips we uh, had in the episode that was out last week. We should probably... I mean, Booker T was on this show. We should be getting a uh, Steve-O clip to uh, drop him with one of
3: his famous Booker T impressions. Oh, can we actually do that, please? Well, can I say we, can you do that, please? Because everything that goes into the pr- production of this show, the intros all the clips used, all the graphics on uh, on Twitter, that is all Rob. I just turn up and get pissed.
0: Excellent. I will try and contact Steve and get a uh, Booker Tweet. Uh,
3: so as requested from U-T-T-B-P-F-Y-G-U-S-C-A-W, Rob, and Dan Griffin, uh, they just wanted a impression of Booker T again, and the only way I can do it is just by essentially just... What the hell is that, Cole? Oh my goodness. Oh no. Oh yeah. What the hell is that? And then I just start riffing off utter nonsense, just sounding like what Booker T just keeps going on about,
2: where he just all he keeps saying is, Oh my, God. look at this, Cole. This is what you won. Oh my goodness. Booker Tweet. <laughs> tweet. <laughs> That's a gimmick
3: <laughs> We've had King Booker We've had Booker T Now We've got Booker Tweet, Where he just comes out with Twitter themed gear And he's just constantly on his phone Every time he hits a move
0: Well B- Bully Ray had that gimmick He had the uh, fire breathing Twitter machine And he actually was the first wrestler To live tweet during a match When
3: was that?
0: That was in his TNA uh, run
3: Why don't I remember that? Uh, I, was much- it. I was watching it at that point
1: yeah, I don't remember that. And I used to watch TNA religiously. Like, I loved TNA.
3: I don't yeah. remember that. Oh, we're crap TNA fans, Sarah. Yeah,
1: we were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so so moving away from Twitter, uh, Chris at work said that he'd been to a wedding last weekend and he'd convinced the stepfather and brother of the bride to subscribe to the podcast.
3: Hey, so, welcome along,
0: folks. Thank you very much, uh, Chris, and the uh, two people who unfortunately... Uh, <laughs> Uh, got, got high-pressure sales into uh, listening to the podcast. but uh,
3: we, we don't endorse high-pressure sales into listening to this podcast, but we are grateful for it.
0: And he, he didn't tell me. I mentioned Gareth last week um, from the Frank Sidebomb fan club from the drink that I was having, but uh, I, was, I was in a meeting with Gareth and he said that Chris has convinced him to listen to the podcast as well. And he said that the only podcasts he listens to are about Bob Dylan and us. So that's a nice...
3: We're an esteemed company, welcome along.
0: Yeah, so just, just for that reason, Gareth, I googled it, and Bob Dylan says that one of his early influences was Gorgeous George, so there is a wrestling connection.
3: That is fantastic.
0: <laughs> and, and if you stick around long enough, Gareth, the macho man Randy Savage is going to buy the Gorgeous George gimmick and uh, randomly give it to his girlfriend, so that'll be interesting.
3: We are here for all your Bob Dylan-adjacent wrestling needs. Exactly.
0: Uh, it's now time for the awards section of the show. So, Sarah, who would you give Match of the Night to?
1: I've got Match of the Night uh, as Ray and Blitzkrieg.
0: Fair. Oh, Yeah, it's a decent match.
1: Yeah, yeah, I loved yeah, it. That
2: was
1: fair. It's definitely my type of wrestling. Dan knows I'm all for, like, the Cruiserweight lucha libre style it was that that got me into wcw when i was like six it was that that kind of got me watching i was like wow look at these guys and i loved i loved it ever since even now so yeah ray versus blitzkrieg for me
2: yeah
0: according to jim ross this isn't proper lucha libre lucha libre is really slow and <laughs> <of coding.
3: laughs> <laughs> it was i, st- I st- i'll put it this way sarah I, I don't know if you've listened to the episode um probably not um no. but that's to be fair i don't, you are <laughs> I, I
2: probably
3: know. haven't, no, but go on. Um, the the, uh, the lucha tag match, uh, sorry, the tag match involving two luchadors from AAA, uh, Cybernetico, and whatever the other guy was called. Um, oh, wow. the epi- that episode of Raw was that bad that I gave, and this match was particularly terrible. I gave that match, match of the night, just because I like the luchadors masks. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> That's the calibre of shit we've dealt with on this show. Yeah. I've got a nice
1: luchador mask. I wore it for- to download year after year and I went to download I don't know I don't I think it was modelled on any particular wrestler it was just a generic luchador mask but it was cool
3: I have a luchador I have a luchador Lucha mask that I can't wear out in public that Rob bought me
1: I think I've yeah. seen you had it in work once I'm sure yeah, I've seen
3: they, it. They, no, it no that was the Joker mask sorry that I left on Gary that I left on Gary's chair to shit him up
1: yeah yeah maybe but,
0: what's your mask
3: night, Dan before we go out? I was going to say moving swiftly on. Um, I was torn between two. One of them was Blitzkrieg versus Ray, and uh, the other was Bret Hart versus Roddy Piper, um, because they were the only two good matches on the show, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, to be honest, yep. the rest of it. And uh, T versus Finley was fine. Um, it'd have been better if I'd have been able to watch the whole thing. But um, I can't go against Bret Hart versus Piper. I really can't. They just... The whole thing, it just worked perfectly. It, yes, it was a brawling style, which I'm not normally a huge fan of, and it takes a lot to to make work. But those two just did it perfectly. Brett was a great shithouse. Piper was Piper, which is always entertaining. And then uh, the the Will Sasso stuff was on point. And, yeah, Brett Hart and Roddy Piper for me. Excellent.
0: I've gone for Brett Hart and Roddy Piper as well. I thought, I thought it was really decent. I I didn't mind the main event as well, but... I have a different standard to other people, so I appreciate that. What's your moment of the night, Sarah?
1: Moment of the night, I couldn't quite decide on it because I, I got this sprung on me earlier, Sorry. but I went with like uh, no, that's fine. Uh I, I went with Kimberly getting thrown out of the car, just because it was so real. I was like, oh my god, it, it it literally is like that could be a real car accident. So yeah, I went with Kimberly for the reasons discussed earlier uh, with the emergency services and everything and how real they made it look, yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that was my moment of the night as well uh, for the exact same reasons. It, it was kind of, it was shocking. shocking.
1: It was shocking and it had been built, like we said earlier, like with GDP kind of looking for something, trying to be protective, and then that happens. She gets thrown out of the car and it, it just builds it perfectly, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and, and as well, I don't, I don't think the DDP thought that was the threat, you know, I,
3: I don't think... No. We, no. Kimberly being thrown from the car was was in the running for my moment of the night but as I've mentioned many times on this show and on That night's Wrestling podcast Bret Hart is one of my favourites of all time so I actually have to give my moment of the night for Roddy Piper winning the US title because even now, this is the first time I've seen it but even now, 20 odd years later Piper winning that title and getting the win over Bret Hart, as an ardent Bret Hart fan I like threw both my hands in the air and just went, yes! yes! <laughs> you know, he was just watching it back. So I've said multiple times, I can get worked. And I, that worked me no end. So, yeah, it was Piper winning the title for me. And obviously because it's our first singles title change on UTT. Excellent.
0: Who's your MVP of the night, Sarah?
1: Uh, I went with Piper. Piper, he, he returned. As you say, I think he's not been on... Since the, the previous September, you said, wasn't it? So, returned, bossed it. Like you said, it, it was a decent match, got the title. Yeah, I, I went with Piper.
3: Good call. Well, until you pointed out there was a stunt double, I was going to say Kimberly for taking the <laughs> mad bump out of the car because I honestly didn't notice. Um, I didn't.
1: I didn't notice that was a stunt double at all.
3: No, well, I, I thought it was just me being like again. I keep saying it, me being underexposed to WCW. I thought it was just me that that, that didn't notice it. But if it wasn't Kimberly, I will give whoever took that mad bump out of the car.
1: I thought it was <laughs> Kimberly, but just night. with like makeup on. I thought they'd just make up her beforehand, and then she took like a slight bump. I guess so. That was a big fall out of the car. Like it, you couldn't have obviously faked that bump it was she got chucked out of the pack,
3: it's, yeah it's straight onto concrete yeah i know she had the big coat on and all of that but still I,
0: yeah it could have I, been a
1: padded but...
0: i don't i don't think there should have been any expectation of kimberly doing that but that needs yeah, to be yeah. a train stop I, I really
3: that's... hope it now that you've said it i really hope it wasn't
1: yeah i hope kimberly didn't do that
3: but the, whoever took that bump out of the car it <laughs> clearly didn't because I've i've gone
0: back and and watching in detail, and the the reason being is because I, I very I was thinking about this sort of thing that you know she'd had her hair down previously, and then it goes sort of up into the ponytail for the uh, thing, and then I noticed that it was a wig on the um, person that you know the stunt double, so she's not getting haircut of the night, and uh, <laughs> he's not getting um, he's not getting MVP of the night. So
3: the only the only person who gets haircut of the night for a wig is Gold Dust. I've said this before.
0: He hasn't had it yet, so we'll have to see. But MVP of the night, I'm giving it to Ric Flair because you know he's there in the toilet scenes with Bischoff, which I felt was really good. It's a you know obviously we didn't cover them, we just sort of tangentially, but I thought that was a good part of the show. He's there with that sort of big promo in the middle, president of WCW at this point, so he's got quite a lot of fish to fry in terms of you know, what's happening with the NWO and what's happening with Piper and Bret Hart, etc. And uh, then he's there in the main event, you know, he's taking those classic Ric Flair goes to the top rope. What do we think is going to happen? Of course yeah. he's going to get run off, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> classic. Absolute classic. So, you know, uh, not for the first time, Ric Flair's getting MVP of the show.
3: Can yeah. I just Sorry, can I just step in for a second? Because I, I do have to say, well, like you said, we've only mentioned him tangentially, but the... Um, bischoff toilet skits if you want to call them that the vignettes you know the the promos whatever uh sarah alluded to it earlier they were genuinely amusing and and it was great to see bischoff get some comeuppance you know all the different i suppose you'd call them most of it you'd call most of them like fringe players um in the for a load of them i didn't even know who a load of wrestlers i didn't know who they were you know all getting a chance to bitch and moan at bischoff to make him clean stuff uh, somebody, a couple of guys, just going in to take a shit and stinking the place out. And on a personal note, I'm really proud of myself that I didn't pick the toilet humour.
1: <laughs> Jimmy Hart was especially funny, and I loved Eric Bischoff imitating Jimmy Hart's laugh. That was really amusing. Who's like as soon, <laughs> as
3: soon as Jimmy Hart started taking the piss, I wanted to take Bischoff's side. I hate Jimmy Hart. It's one of my irrational hatreds in wrestling. No. Him and Jeff Jarrett. <laughs>
1: I can agree with Jeff Jarrett. But I love, uh, I love Jimmy Hart. I thought they should have had Billy Kay turned into like the next Jimmy Hart with her voice around the ring. I thought they, they could have done wonders with Billy Kay, but never mind. That her. would
3: that would have actually worked really
1: well. I, I I would have loved it. Her with a megaphone with her voice would have really worked, but never mind. Bring her. back
3: bring back the spray painting jackets as well.
0: Yes, yeah. I, I was enjoying what she was doing with the CVs and you know trying trying to just. I was... Crowbar yeah. herself into every storyline. I, I thought she was doing really good, and every time they said they needed a quality, she just she just wrote that on a CV as if she'd acquired that skill by writing it down.
1: <laughs> and I loved it when she went to Carmella as well, and Carmella was actually like, "Hmm, okay." And I was so excited. I was like, "Oh my god, Carmella might actually team with her." And then she did, and then nothing happened. So <laughs> I have to
3: take your word for it. I've not watched the weekly the weekly WWE stuff for a little while.
1: I'm only a week behind on it. But yeah, it's just a shame. It's just a shame they got rid of uh, Billy Kate and Pete Royce.
3: I'm about a year and a half.
1: Oh, really? God.
3: Yeah. <laughs> that, I just that's watched the pay per views. It is good for me because, you know, we all know I live tweeted Con Air <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> last week.
3: <laughs> Again.
0: <laughs> so, Sarah, uh, who would you give her the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night? So.
1: I can't really think of anyone, so I just said Tori Wilson because she's amazing.
3: <laughs> you I fucking huh? knew you'd do that. I fucking <laughs> knew you'd do that. I was, I was, I was, I was kind of hoping that because uh, I was hoping that a benefit of of me forgetting to tell Sarah about the awards would be that she just shoehorned Tori it Wilson does. into every single award, like match of the night given to the the main event because Tori Wilson interrupted it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, yeah, she can have haircut overnight she? she was, she was beautiful.
0: Tori Wilson was excellent on the show, for considering this is her rest. You know, a amazing. Yeah, she, to be fair, she
1: deserves more than just the haircut and I thought she was, she was brilliant. Yeah. You can
3: always change your MVP.
1: I could do actually. Yeah, I went with Piper just because I thought, wow, boom, he's got the US title. But to be fair, to I, and to be, I agree with Rick as well. Well, when I get thinking about it, Flair was all through the show. Then he vented and Tory. Now, I'll stick with Piper, otherwise it gets too complicated. I'll overthink it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it. Was your haircut of the night, Dan?
3: There was only one haircut of the night for me. Only one. It had to be Jericho for that weird top ponytail bullshit that he had on that I first saw when he came to WWF in 1999. What the hell? It wasn't... it. You can't even call it an exploding pineapple of a haircut. It was just, and it, it's not a top knot. It's like a top knot shit itself.
1: <laughs> I love that hair. Then again, I saw it all the way through to WCW. And then but I it then just not in WWE until like 2001. So Jericho was already like there.
3: <laughs> yeah. But even now, you just look at it and you look at it and you think, prick. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it well, just
3: screams like... absolute wanker.
1: Yeah, it works. It works. Yeah. It. yeah.
3: Well, he does so, yeah. There are, and I have to say, Matty, uh, at guru of Matitude, uh, my mate Matty on Twitter, he, uh, he, I don't know, it wasn't on Twitter, he, he DM'd me uh, because in the episode that just landed, so which by the time this says has been about six weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. we were discussing the calling the, uh, this the Rene Goulet Award for Outstanding Haircut of the Night and we were debating whether Rene Goulet was alive or dead. Yeah. I mean... uh, re- René Goulet actually died in 2019, and, and none of us bothered to check because we're terrible people.
0: No, it, it's not that, Dan. We were hoping he was still alive because we hold him in such reverence. Let's go to that. And, and Mags checked and said he was alive. Did he? Yeah, on, uh, on um, that night's wrestling podcast.
3: Oh, so it's Mags' fault? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, brilliant. So can we we actually call this the René Goulet Memorial Award now?
0: I don't think we need to add memorial. I mean, you know, René Goulet will always be in our hearts.
3: As long as we remember him, he lives.
0: Exactly. And when when René Goulet was wrestling, a certain style of haircut was in fashion. uh, And that time was the 70s. And that's why I'm giving Disco Inferno haircut the (laughs) night.
1: He was a good choice for me, to be honest. I I don't like Disco Inferno for much other than his theme music. Uh, But he did have good hair. He did have good hair that night.
3: If you like.
0: (laughs) Uh, So, so Sarah, what's your um, sign of the night?
1: Oh, yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah, um, so sign of the night was uh, a Norman Smiley fan club sign. And I love Norman Smiley. I used to do the big wiggle and everything. So, yeah, as soon as I saw that Norman Smiley fan club, I was like, yes, that would have been my sign. So I'm going to go it's with the, the Norman Smiley fan club. You see, Dan,
0: supporting the home team, supporting the British people, you you ignored this last week.
2: Yeah.
3: Because <laughs> <laughs> he did fuck all. He was just sort of there. Yeah, but he's British, so, you know, he gets a pass.
2: Yeah. So...
3: Right, my, my sign's actually one that... <laughs> In fact, I'll do what I normally do. There weren't too many that stood out to me on this show compared to previous weeks. Um, so I'll do what I normally do because I'm scrolling up through my notes and just go through a couple of notable mentions. In the, just before the uh, Bret Hart-Roddy Piper match got underway, there was a, a sign that said there was a, it was a take. It was something you'd see on Twitter now if... Uh, uh, sorry, it was something you'd see on Twitter if Twitter was around back then. Big Sexy The Wannabe Giant. That was a sign that existed. Uh, there was a, a sign that I really liked that was a Simpsons reference, I'm assuming. Uh, otherwise, somebody was really into Greek, uh, Greek history saying, Hogan feels Homer, uh, fears Homer. And it's Hogan
0: feels, Hogan fears Horace. It was, Horace. There
3: was, there was that too. Oh, uh,
2: okay.
3: There was a Hogan fears Homer sign. Going back, somebody took far too much time to airbrush a Flair and Hogan sign. Like oh, I
1: that.
3: spray paint, like airbrushed slash spray painted, Flair yeah. and Hogan. It looked phenomenal. I very nearly gave it to that just for the time and effort and, and talent that went into that sign. But the one that I've gone with is something that I noticed in the Blitzkrieg versus ray Mysterio match, and it cropped up multiple times throughout. And it said Torgalski fears Del Monte. Now I looked this up. I looked up Targalski, and Ron Targalski was a college basketball and baseball player who, at this point, was coaching Buffalo University's basketball team. So I thought, right, okay, that that fits sort of where the uh, you know where they are geographically.
2: Mm.
3: What I couldn't find out was what Del Monte is. I thought, is it a rival university or a rival school or? Whatever, and I just could not find it. So I have to assume that this person has taken the time to make a sign to say that the coach, the uh, the coach of a university basketball team, fears tin fruit.
0: I was well, about to say it's tin fruit. Well, but there was the man from Del Monte, wasn't there?
3: Or he fears the man from Del Monte. <laughs> Who knows? We, we we will never know now.
0: <laughs> well, it so, all, that, it that, always... that, so
3: the air of mystery.
0: It it did always feel on those old Del Monte adverts like the entire village was waiting for the approval of the man from Del Monte. If he if he didn't like that season's uh, crop, then uh, they weren't going to get paid, sort of thing. So
3: we're shit out of luck.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. may, maybe uh, the uh, Buffalo sports team had a um, a vineyard or something that they were hoping that Del Monte'd buy off them. <laughs> Who knows? What's yours, dude? Right. So and. This one sort of fits in, and there's a load that you sort of think, is, is this just too perfect? You know, ha- have they actually put this in to um, have a sort of double meaning in the show? Or so during the Bam Bam Bigelow Mean Gene uh, interview segment, they're talking about um, Goldberg writing this article about animal rights, and Bam Bam Bigelow talks about cockfighting. Uh, and mean gene goes, Jesus. you know, just, you mean
2: chickens, you mean right? <laughs> yeah, you mean
0: cockerels, you mean roosters, you mean chickens. And oh, god, uh, he just said something
3: penis related on TV. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and just as mean Jean says, you mean chickens, someone holds up KFC in the house. What? Yeah,
1: I didn't see that. <laughs> what says
0: Robert, what a spot. It's not, it's not, because we had one um, the previous week as well, it just seems that there's some of these signs, maybe it's just because people realise they've got a sign that relates to the craziness that's going on in the ring, but sometimes it feels like it must be the other way around.
3: The only thing that could have been better than a KFC sign at that point is if they'd had some sort of, um, like, you know, in League, uh, League of Gentlemen... Where you have got uh, Tubbs and uh, is it Edward and Tubbs? What's going on? What's all this shouting? We'll have no trouble here. I just want a sign with like Edward's face, as Mean Gene says. You mean chickens, right? A sign with Edward's good We'll have no penises here. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: The worry about this show was I saw security taking a sign away from someone during that, that whole big period where the cat's calling everyone in the crowd out. And I went back, and the sign had been video distorted on the network. Now, the amount of homophobic and racist shit that are on these signs, yeah. what on earth was on that sign? That it, that it was so bad that in 1999 they thought it was off colour. But they've gone back and whited out the sign as well. Lord only knows.
3: It, it must have been a cartoon of Ric Flair fucking Hogan. Well, or, I was,
0: or the other way something around. Something
1: pornographic, I would imagine.
0: It's got to be something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a surprise to see something get complicated, <laughs> stuff that flies below the radar. So, Sarah, what would you rate the show out of 10? 6.5.
1: That's just made up now. <laughs> that's, that's fine. About I, that's it.
3: fine. That's all Rob does.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I go six point five, maybe even seven. Possibly 7. no, six point five.
3: Go on, oh, Rob. Up. No, you go. Oh. Yeah, you know, I've got, you know, I've got <laughs> my diet right.
0: Right. You know what? I'm giving this an A. I'm giving this the oh, highest yeah. show that we've reviewed. And and it, it's funny because some of the shows we've watched, we've had some of the classic moments of the Monday Night Wars and the Attitudes. We have the DX inversion. We've had the the Cure for the Common show. We've had the fact that Kane is Paul Bearer's son, all that sort of stuff. And we didn't have any of those moments on this show, but they had put so much effort into the pre-production. You know, yeah. this wasn't just, they didn't, they, like Monday Night Raw at the moment, they pull up and they do it on the night. This was fought through. They spent the entire week filming all the backstage stuff. You know, they thought about what they were doing it was a really well put together show and there is so many storylines going on from here that i'm actively invested in wanting to know what happens next you know we've talked about that sort of bingeability factor would you roll on to the next episode it, it's in spades in this
3: show yeah
1: you would yeah yeah you'd want to figure out what yeah.
2: happens next yeah mm. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna absolutely shit on it. There, there, there was a lot wrong, there was a lot of wrong with this show that, and, and a lot that I didn't like. Which a couple of bits I've brought up, but there was far more that I enjoyed. To be perfectly honest, um, I know I came in on a bit of a downer. The matches, there were only two standouts for me, which were Blitzkrieg and Ray and uh, Hart Piper. But that's not to say the rest of the matches were terrible. There, there was, the tag match wasn't great. But even that, even so, even with that, this was still above average in terms of match quality. Primarily for those two that I mentioned. So I will give that a 6 out of 10. The promos were... Fair enough. I, I didn't much care for the flare promo, but it wasn't terrible. And the only other promo that I can remember off the top of my head was Bam Bam. Which was okay, so that's like a five. The production, I'm in complete agreement with you, Rob, and, and you, Sarah. Commentary was great. The vignettes were well shot. It was just so well put together. The only criticism I have is the one that I brought up, which is the actual format of it, the, the, the running order, the, the interrupting of matches. But even even with that, it's an eight out of ten is the production of the show. Storylines. There was one thing we've, one thing I've really liked on Raw, is the amount that they've managed to put into a two-hour show, but still be, but it's still it's not muddled, it's not not confused in any way, and they managed to do that here. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. I wasn't quite as invested in some of it, but I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part of it m- may have a, a touch of nostalgia factor for you guys, because you have more, like, not necessarily this show, but certainly that era of WCW you guys have sort of the prior knowledge of. It's like I'll, I'll inevitably overrate a bunch of WWE stuff that I watched, mostly involving Kane. Um, <laughs> but even then, the storyline, there was a lot sprinkled throughout the show. The Bischoff Bog stuff was amusing. The... Continuity of the Tory stuff, the Raven stuff, the N.W.O. Black and White leadership, when the in from that is weaved into Flair and Hogan, and then the uh, and, and then Flair brings in Brett and Piper, and the Bret and Piper storyline alone has been spanning years and companies. It was really good stuff. So that's like a seven seven point five. Um, the fan response, it was really good in places. There were a few really big pops, like for Piper, when Hogan came out, when the fans knew that they were on camera you know like when they do the big close-up crowd shots but it wasn't the best sort of throughout the show maybe i maybe i just wasn't paying attention but i gave that a five out of ten so overall i'm not too far off sarah's rating i gave it a six out of ten
1: i was thinking of increasing mine to seven now you've inspired me (laughs) 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 also the the one thing that i didn't mention throughout all of it i know obviously we said kimberly getting chucked out the car was so real at the start of the show, there was another thing that made me think, wow, this is like kind of some kind of gangster stuff, is whether they handed over somebody to Disco Inferno to beat up Hall
3: and Nash. Anne, got it, it was Aaron Anderson.
1: Arne Anderson, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, as if yeah. I forget who Arne Anderson. But yeah, they, they handed over Aaron Anderson and then said, oh, here you go, got a present for you and shut the door. So you didn't actually see them, you know, beat down on uh, Aaron Anderson but it was just kind of like this gangster thing that it was like, left, right? He's going he's gonna to batter this guy. And I just thought, wow, that, that's kind of real as well. Like, it makes it seem scarier that we didn't see Disco Inferno beat him up. He was just left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was another thing that I forgot completely earlier, but I just thought I'd bring up now. <laughs> yeah,
0: I love the fact as well that Disco uh, brings up, you know, during that point, just before they close the door, about, uh, he he says something like, so, Mr. TV Champion. And, you know, all through the Georgia Championship Wrestling, Arn Anderson had referred to being, the TV Championship being his World Championship.
2: Uh, You know, uh,
0: and sort of just that callback to the early 80s as well. I thought that was a really sort of clever thing to
3: to pop in there. I didn't notice that, I've got to be honest. I didn't notice that. But very cool touch.
1: But yeah. Very very cool, but yeah that, that was another segment that I just thought oh, it's a bit it's a bit scary it's a bit gangster it's a bit oh you don't know what's happening on this show they're just like giving people you know they're they're kidnapping them they're they're beating them up they yeah it made it a bit hostile.
0: <laughs> Excellent. So Sarah, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, if you like tweets about general like wrestling and video gaming uh, and and poo like pooing stories stuff like that, um, uh, Turd Ferguson is yeah my Twitter handle.
3: Yeah, I'm not sure who stole whose gimmick on that one because that sounds like my Twitter. But Sarah's wrestling tweets are much more up to date than mine.
1: <laughs> also, I have pictures of Archie. So, also, if you want pictures of a cute little ginger dog, they're on there as well.
3: There you go. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at dangriffin21. Tweeting much more out of date wrestling than uh, than Sarah, um, and then but also quite a lot of uh, quite a lot about my bowels. Uh, <laughs> Because Pooh is funny. Yeah. So yeah, I'm on that you can also find me on the monthly pay-per-view reviews, uh, on that Nineties Wrestling Podcast, which is at Nineties Wrestling Pod. And uh very occasionally when I feel like risking the reputation of the show, I do uh, do the odd tweet from the uh UTT podcast Twitter account.
0: You do? You do? So anything that you've got a problem with, it's Dan's fault. He's the uh he's the scale. <laughs> <You don't... laughs> You can find me at UTT, Rob. It's more about mutuals than followers, so I'm more than happy to follow back. Uh, if you've listened to the show on the UTT podcast channel, we're also available on the That Night is Wrestling podcast channel where we do the monthly reviews. Conversely, if you've listened there, we're also available on our own channel. Subscribe to both. It's a great time. So next week, we're moving on to Vince Russo's and, in fact, the entire highest-rated episode of the Monday Night's uh, Wars highest rated episode of TV wrestling on a weekly show since I mean you know, talk about Saturday Night Main event, but that wasn't a weekly show. So I think we're probably going back to Big Daddy versus Giant Haystacks in 1983 before uh, before this episode uh, for the highest uh, rated uh, weekly TV
3: show. Yeah, it must be. And uh, and for once I'm gonna say we have got a, we've got a guest coming back. Sorry, well, it's our third guest coming back. Matty's going to be joining us again. So yeah. be prepared for me and Matty going off on tangents, talking bullshit, and inevitably, as always, me interrupting Rob. you got to play to your strengths,
0: haven't you? What? You've got to play.
2: <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> oh, we're stuck in a stone called Steve
3: Austin Like, Thank you for listening. Everyone else was doing it. I didn't think it would hurt to try. I never thought I'd become addicted to Monday Night Jericho. I never imagined that I, like millions of others,
2: would become a Jericho-holic. Turn off the light. I'm filming a commercial! You're ruining everything! Stop the camera! Get your Jericho-holics anonymous t-shirt for only $20. Call 1-800-WCW-8661 or write to the address on your screen. i commercial here! Stop it!